With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. And uh, I just got distracted then. I, I saw a wet handprint on my desk, and it's freaking me out somewhat. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing is, it's not water, it's wine. <laughs> Dave's trying to stabilise himself on the desk. Well, well, actually, I don't want to sound as though I'm a miracle worker, but uh, I can actually change wine into water. Not water into wine, but I can change wine into water. <laughs> More of Dave's bathroom habits later. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> it goes down easily into water. Oh, that sounds and like Here I thought I'd run out of interesting introductions. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> All right, introducing the rest of the uh, ragtag fugitive, fugitive fleet in the room. Uh, please welcome Mr. Tim Jury. Yes, it's a headache-free this week, thankfully. It, 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 it must have taken me a good week to recover from the, the jet lag and general tiredness of um, Galley, but then it, it doesn't help when you get back to work uh, on the Thursday of the week that you arrive back on a Tuesday, and about the second thing someone says to you after, hello, Tim, is, oh, can you write a multi-part article about Los Angeles for the staff newsletter? Cue oh, a lot of great nights in front of a laptop. Congratulations getting one of your photographs on your... Uh, uh, magazine. Yeah, there's 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 more in there this week, and there's part two and part three of the article to come. It's a lovely one of the the sun setting over the wing of the air. Yeah, I, I just got addicted to taking photos out the window. <laughs> anyway, more about that later. But moving on, Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, welcome to Voice, sir. Hello, Ian. Hello, Dave, and hello, rest of the Colton Collective. Good to be on audio again. <laughs> I think it's a ghost, Ian. I'm the ghost of the ghost of the ghost that was previously here. <laughs> ah, the aboard. ghost of Colton past. And that <laughs> that voice <laughs> from the grave voice uh, is Mr. Graham, the second doctor, Sheridan. Right now, <clears throat> so you you put it over here, and uh, I, uh, 
Okay, six, take over. Okay. I think it's going to turn a disaster now. <laughs> you forgot three. <laughs> oh, Jamie, try to put it in the outport, you see. Hmm. It's going to be one of those shows. Sure, what happens when we don't have any female influence in the room. Isn't it yeah. one of those shows? We've got, vegan, we got, we got vegan Sony in the room. Oh, yeah. She just got here. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Mr. J, hello. Welcome back to the fold, sir. Hello, I managed to drag myself out of the ninth circle of hell, and I am back. Ah. Did I, did I take Visa? <laughs> and we're not very far from hell, actually. In lots of down, or download, I mean, bought anime shows. Okay. Okay. And, uh, well, huh? well, huh? And we've all met, of course, Mr. Dave AC, and please welcome Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, good sir. How are you? Very good, thank you, sir. Welcome back. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to remember how to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, it's time to lower the cone. Indeed. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. What? And joining us on on the cone, please welcome Logan. The third doctor and vegan Sony. And also keeping them all under control. It's Cybob. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the show today. <laughs> you you uh, work your way back into it, Ian. You work your way back into it. <laughs> uh, yes, he's still been uh wandering off into the lab and, 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 and hammering away at something. Or someone. <laughs> uh, it's Colton's very own typing monkey. I've dragged him out here just for news. Go, typing monkey. Go. <laughs> A little too throaty for me, but hey. All right, it's news time. And with news, Mr. Tim Jury. Uh, yes, well, very good news for. A certain Mr. Adam J. Purcell of Staggering Stories podcast. Uh, Some uh, very teasing um, pictures have been revealed this week uh, for an upcoming mini-episode of Doctor Who that will feature in the uh, Comic Relief Night, which is, uh, I can't remember exactly when it is. It's not far off now. I think it's next week. 18th of March. 18th of March. Yes. And it will feature not one Amy Pond, but two Double Trouble on the 18th of March. So, um, goodness knows why there's two Amy's. Need more toothpicks. It, 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 it reminds me of the only label I managed to get home from Galley. The one from the one from um, Radio Free Skyra that simply reads, and the slash writers go crazy. Um, Actually, it's going to be two episodes from um, the report I heard. Yeah, was, it, uh, was it Time and Space? Mm-hmm. Yes, one's called mm-hmm. Time, one's called Space. They're two four-minute episodes. Yes. Uh, wow. Two Amy Ponds. Oh, well. They did say it's Where? charity. Yes, they're <laughs> described in sfh.co.uk's report as 
two episodes, two mini-episodes, very, very small mini-episodes, maybe eight minutes in total. Not right. a spoof, though, but is a sort of played straight proper Doctor Who story. Yeah, we don't know when they'll flag them up in the day, do we? I suppose it's usually well, they prime normally time. Put, they, it's, it's normally when they do this sort of thing, it's between eight and nine. Yeah, but you know, you know what these telethon things are right, like. They often don't quite run to time, so it will be somewhere between eight and nine thirty, I should think. Excellent. All Is that right. your news, Tim? With... Yeah, that's all from yeah. me. Yeah. All right, and uh, for uh, a report on Second Life last weekend, it's Mister Graham Sheridan. Yes, and before I start on that, there's just two pieces that I wanted to bring up very quickly. Um, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson last Monday uh, showed the uh, the Nerdists report uh, from Gallifrey, which um, starts um, a rather nice-looking TARDIS belonging to Miss Tara Wheeler. And Tara Wheeler herself, and you can see bits and bobs from things like Podchuck and that, uh, and from Staggering Stories to the Head of Pertwee. And, oh, and you can spot Jean as well. She's in the <laughs> crowd. And uh, the other piece is, um, now the Curse of Fatal Death is on VHS only, and if you want to watch it, uh, up to now you've really had to rely on a bit of the old uh, <clears throat> other means. And somebody being rather nice and doing digital conversion. At the moment, officially on the uh, comic relief webs uh, or the comic relief part of uh, YouTube, officially, uh, the Curse of Fatal Death is up there to watch in its entirety, officially. So that's good. Now moving on to last week's uh, Podshock Second Life meetup. Now uh, there's an area in Second Life called Katrina, uh, which is now called the Doctor Who. Not experience anymore, but the De Doctor Who exposition. So if you're in Second Life and you type in the uh, the search um, area uh, Doctor Who exposition, then you'll come to Katrina straight off. It used to be the experience, but uh, despite that they've been at it longer in Second Life than actual Doctor Who experience now in London, um, decided to to get away from confusion and maybe people thinking that the two are together and all that. Uh, they renamed it to the exposition. So uh, it started at 1 p.m. promptly. Um, in Second Life, um, that's 1pm, that was Pacific time, because everything in Second Life is Pacific time, and uh, started off uh, with Ian disappearing with one of the uh, the hosts of the actual event, the uh, host, Victor First Morn uh, Mornington, uh, going to judge... Quite, it as it No, no, Ian, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Uh, they went <coughs> off basically to judge a TARDIS competition, uh, which may sound a little bit weird, but uh, uh, many people who actually uh, use the sim itself uh, build TARDISes, uh, and I don't mean just exteriors, but the actual interiors, and they go to um, very long lengths, and uh, there's uh, you know, a lot of beautiful work done there. Uh, Victor put his own model in there, which was uh, not quite how I was expected. I was told it was a multi-rotor. I was expecting to see like a like a V engine formation, but, you know, it's too just like... Knots, Victor, too many knots, Victor. <laughs> too many knots. Too many knots all over the place. <laughs> but after all that, uh, the main party started. Uh, the It was it was like a sort of beach party, the best way to describe it. There was a raised, uh, raised stage uh, stroke key area, 
So if you've ever been to like a, uh, anywhere where they've got lots of boats and you see the keys with the wooden uh, piers going out, um, it's that sort of idea. Uh, with a bar, a virtual bar, which you can actually tip on uh, each of the drinks and that and get uh, a virtual drink for your uh, avatar. And at the front there was, uh, luckily as usual, Mr. Edward Pierce, who is the usual DJ for these uh, occasions, who's a really good uh, good bloke for this sort of situations. Takes a lot of deriding from uh, Ian, since Mr. Yes. Edward Pierce is an Australian. And, he can't uh, help it, it's not his fault. <laughs> and uh, oh, good time. Now, um, Apart from the usual, uh, from the usual pod shot crew, it was only uh, Louis Trapani because, uh, particularly on that day, James was getting wed. Well, the day before, basically, um, it was around that weekend, so uh, James was otherwise involved. Uh, so it was just left otherwise to engaged. otherwise <laughs> en- no, not engaged anymore, married. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, Mr. Louis Bailey from the um, Happiness Patrol Turtle turned up. And a few of the regulars, including Dirty Hua, Terry Lightfoot, who's always a delight to speak to. And uh, we all had lots of fun. Uh, Tim also was there uh, after just about uh, getting rid of shaking off his headache. Yes, you can. Can I just interrupt you for a second? Could you please explain the, <laughs> the comment, Dirty Hua? Dirty for those Hoo-er. people who are unaware. Dirty Hooers is a adult-rated podcast where there's mm. no um, as about to translate it. There's no. Well, the easy way to describe it no is it's voice it's filters on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's adult, no similar to similar to Faro's project. Uh, and when they write stories, they write them in how much money they would give to a whore. No, no, no. Faro's project is kindergarten compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as Dad put in text, there is it's the cussing and all that sort of stuff. But getting back to the second life party, now it went all the way through to uh, it was about three or four o'clock my time, and I can't remember what second t- lifetime that would be, about five o'clock I think. Uh, been all Pacific times, and I can only work in the uh, East Coast at the moment, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, a good time was had w- from all. Uh, if you want to go look in on the uh, DWPA Facebook site and probably on the cult term and on my own professor howes uh, stroke second doctor's podcast um facebook groups we've all got photos there from the event there mine unfortunately only from the uh the ends of the actual the whole thing because well the thing is there were so many people in it we didn't crash the sim but we had a lot of problem with resing, and uh, which is basically the resolution of the the individual characters and um, objects within the, the the sim itself. So a lot of the time, everybody looked great to me, all naked, which was rather worrying, because uh, Ian spent a lot of the time looking grey. Uh, his <laughs> his character was a character called Kirsty Pixel, and he specially built her to look the way she does. And uh, well, look, if you look at the last the, script pick I put in, that's a mm-hmm. link to that picture of it. Yeah, so it's basically better good looking for Dave for the pictures because he's got some rather good pictures up there uh, in good clarity and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, good time was had by all. And looking forward to our next event, which should be the spring one, I believe. Yeah, and poor Louis Trapani actually tried to do a recording for Podshock and uh, again, I think we rather we rather (laughs) (laughs) kiboshed that with the the chat that was going on at the time. Yeah, as I put in the chat, it was only slightly less chaotic than his attempts at LobbyCon 1 on um, over at Galley because 
I was doing the same, wandering around, talking to, usually bumping into people I'd never met before, apart from hearing them on their podcasts, and someone you'd get like a minute out of, and then you'd bump into someone else who was really generous and friendly, like Tardis Tara, and suddenly you'd have a seven-minute interview, and you'd go, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the other thing of it, of it being that uh, he, he tried, the thing is with the Second Life is I'll, I will warn anybody coming in uh, because there's the new rules and regulations that uh, you've got to be out, over 18 to come into the uh, ex, exposition area. There is a uh, an under 18 version, which is for people who are 16 to 18. Uh, but I will warn you, there's, I wouldn't say as much as blue, but double entendres, if you know what that means, are flying thick and fast. Thank you very much for that, sir. Dave, you had a few things you wanted to bring up. Yeah, just a couple of things. Not really actually science fiction related, but it was mentioned just before we started recording by Tim that we should just remind people who are calling in to talk to you via... And, I, and I'm hoping Ian will play little Andy's clip in, in a short while, um, that if they use Gizmo 5 to call in, that's going to be no longer working in a, a very short period of time. I haven't got the exact date, but it, uh, the, uh, it will not work with Torchu. Uh, anybody who's got credit on it will be able to use it in Google Voice, I believe, but um, Gizmo 5 itself is shutting down. Thank you very much, Darth, for that. Uh, and two other things, just to say that uh, most of the people that uh, enjoy science fiction uh, are also interested in science. And it's a big night here in the UK for tonight. Uh, it's the 700th episode of The Sky at Night by the magnificent uh, Sir Pat uh, Patrick Moore. And um, also, in fact, if you go to my DAT100 YouTube site, I put a little bit of a tribute up there, one of his older shows from 1987, where he's showing you about buying um, a telescope. In fact, I'll put that uh, clip in, the, I'll put the video link in when I uh, stop talking and Ian's playing the Andy clip. And the other one is that um, there's the Wonders of the Universe, a new uh, four-part series, starting with the, the famous Brian Cox, who seems to be doing all these brilliant uh, science things so that's uh, two big science programs and I, I don't really make apologies for that because I do know that many members here are interested in science as well as science fiction and perhaps Ian will play Andy's little clip while I hunt around for the link to that. Actually before you do that I do have another little bit of news and uh, I We'll beg on uh, other other people in the room to to help me fill in, but it's something that we've overlooked that uh, the BBC iPlayer is now going to be made available to us overseas for a small fee. Yes, apparently. Well, it came up on the BBC flow that it's going to be approximately ten dollars, and we're still looking at the middle of summer, and it's going to be an app, an application. Now, whether that means it's going to be an application that you can only use an iPad, which really um, throws out a lot of people because you know you've got to buy an iPad just to watch the BBC. It seems a bit much. But uh, here's hoping it's just an application like the iPlayer application that you can uh, properly download from BBC itself, that you can just. Uh, find some sort of way like PayPal or, or the such like to pay uh, pay with, but uh, roughly about ten dollars a month is what you're looking at. Alrighty, um, and the last couple of things I wanted to bring up before I uh, play that lovely clip uh, 
is that uh, two uh, miniseries finished in the UK this week, uh, one being Marchlands and the other being Mad Dogs, um, which Dave and I, and if anybody else is interested, um, we may want to cover. I mean, uh, Marchlands is, is, is kind of a ghost story and kind of falls under our uh, under our gaze. Uh, the other um, being just a regular drama, uh, what, what, what pulls us towards it? Uh, the cast. Uh, Johnson and Philip, Philip, Philip Glenister. Glenister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, no, fill in the rest for me, would you, please? <laughs> yeah, uh, the one I'm trying to mention, Alex Kingston. That that's Marshall. How could he forget the Marshall one? No, hang on. It's just the one guy and ah. Uh... Oh, I'm thinking Love and Monsters. <laughs> Elton, Love yes. and Monsters. Yes. <laughs> God. Do you know? Uh, where's 79 when you need him? <laughs> I can't remember anyway. the guy's name now, no. Just remind people but, uh, of that. Yeah. Yes, we may be reviewing this has came to an end and, and there's been um, talk on the on the endings of both of the shows. So um, if you're interested, uh, drop us a line. Maybe we'll uh, uh, do a small studio show on this or maybe we'll... Uh, Open it up to the the, the entire collective. Uh, so just let us know. Anyway, so uh, by the way, I just grabbed my yes. copy of the Hogfather, the Terry Pratchett two part, which has the same actor in it. It's Mark yes. Warren, who we're forgetting. Mark Warren, yes. Mm. Wait, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to drive this bloody thing. <laughs> anyway, here's Andy. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Uh, I'm going to make an excuse for myself right here right now. I was up rather late last night. Um, my son wanted to go and get uh, Pokemon White. Uh, it's mid- midnight release. So uh, it required us going to uh, Walmart last night. And of course, the Walmart we chose to go to unfortunately didn't get their shipment in. So we had to go to another Walmart. So I was up rather late. And then, of course, I couldn't resist watching... Uh, uh, 24-hour panel people when I got home just to kind of relax. So it's about 2, 3 o'clock before I go to bed. That's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, Dave, take over. <laughs> okay, as we welcome guest 13 into the room as well. Uh, yeah, let me just uh, put this little link into the room again. Uh, the topic is voiceover actors and um, we've got a sort of a two-part debate here, I think, and, and that is that... Um, it seems to be the current uh, thinking that you've got to have well-known names on big animated films that have got very, very large budgets. But that wasn't always the case. And just to show how well in tune uh, we are on the Cultum Collective, um, even on the... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No irony in my voice whatsoever. Uh, in The Guardian online, and the link I've just put in the room, March the 5th, after we'd set the topic... 
shows that it's still a hot topic. Uh, I'm going to read uh, slight little bits of this, but people in the room will be able to read it. This is, um, let's be, um, in the latest animation release, Rango, which has been marketed by as a Johnny Depp film, Jet, uh, Donny Jepp's, uh, Donny Depp's film. Now, Donny Depp. He's, he's just laughing because I'm stumbling. It uh, fills the screen with the trailer within 20 seconds. The film's posters tell you in no uncertain terms that Johnny Depp is Rango. But it wasn't always like this. From the beginning of animated features of film history in the 1930s right up until the early 90s, you wouldn't have had a clue who was voicing these characters. Bar a few notable exceptions from the worlds of music and radio, casts were populated by specialist voice actors whose names certainly did not adorn the promotional material. Uh, and I'm not going to read any more from that. People in the room can read it. Uh, I think the biggest one for me where they suddenly started to go with names was uh, when Disney's Aladdin came out. And um, that was the the one that you will, uh, with Robbie Williams playing. Uh, Robbie Virginia. Williams. Yeah, yeah, there Robin he goes Williams. again. <laughs> but before that, let me just play you what most people think of, of the most important voiceover actor ever, whether you consider him an actor is another thing, um, and that is Mel Blanc, and I've got two little clips. Neighing, right? An English horse Winnie. Winnie, an English yeah. horse Winnie. We were visiting Epsom Downs in, in England. Right. So they wrote into the script, can you do an English horse Winnie? And you said it? Sure. Sure. So it came to the queue and I gave him an English horse Winnie. <laughs> so I had to make make him tough. I thought, which is the toughest voice, either Brooklyn or the Bronx? Right. So I uh, put the two of them together, Doc. That's how I got the voice for Bugs. Crazy little ducky boy, uh, thinks he's better than Bugs, and he said, <laughs> that bunny is despicable. <laughs> Southern California. Now, people around the rest of the country will hear those names of these towns oh, yeah. and almost thought they were made up until they'd come to California and find out that they existed. That's you right. Do a little bit of that. You'd be the train king. leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Coop. Come on. <laughs> wow. A Nazi pig. A Nazi pig? That's all, my friend. The wonderful entertainment you've given us the past 50 years, and hopefully you've got many, many more years. Thank you. Anything you'd like to say as we close the show? Yes. That's all, folks. Uh, that was uh, Mel Blanc uh, on the Johnny Carson show. And uh, again, together's really in the mood. Here he is again, and this time he's on the very young David Letterman show. Well, there's the Yosemite Sam. That's a real rocket cowboy. And, uh, of course, there's uh, Pepe Le Pew. He's the little French skunk. He kills the pussycat. Mm and uh foghorn i say fo uh, pay attention david a foghorn <laughs> 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 
That big rooster, he talks like that, you know. You looking for chicken? You see that little house over there that says D-O-G? That spells chicken. Go get them, boy. <laughs> uh, now, we, we have some, uh, uh, I guess, some clips here of uh, some of your work. You know, uh, it's going to be... Oh, this is kind of a montage. Yeah, a montage. Oh, yeah. There's a few of the characters that are in the picture. Okay. All right. We'll take a look at that. Okay. And uh, is there uh, anything you need to explain to us before we look at it? Well, they're just a bunch of nutty people, that's all. Okay. So this yeah. is... Uh, no, no, not Pew. Lepew. Pepe Lepew is my name. Why can't we have a mouse like other puppy cats? I'll tell you what. Let's take a walk in the woods while our porridge cools. Now, where have I heard that before? Hey, sir, I represent the Rambling House Storybook Company. And Come on in, stranger. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> Other room of crazy people. Oh, sorry, the Colton Clayton. Yes, um, <laughs> so, 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 but the, the whole point about uh, voiceover actors, as I say, um, the, the kids who go and see these uh, films, and of course, animated films in the past were mainly considered children's film. They weren't really con uh, concerned about who was voicing them, as long as the voice seemed appropriate for whatever animal or character or, or device uh, they were voicing. Uh, but ever since the big money is coming to this, and uh, uh, a lot of these films depend on the actual parents taking in uh, the families. They seem to want to appeal by having these big names. Uh, and I'm going to go play one more fairly quick clip, and then we'll try and space them out a little bit after that. Uh, and this is, um, as I said, the the first one that really started the trend off, to my mind. Anybody in the room may be able to disagree with me, but um, it was Robin Williams uh, voicing the uh, the genie in the first of the Aladdin movies. Looks like such a beat-up, worthless piece of junk. Hey, I, I think there's something written here, but it's, it's hard to make out. Give you such a crick in the neck. Hang on a second. Whoa! Wow! Does it feel good to be out of there? I'm telling you, nice to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, where are you from? What's your name? Uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al, or maybe just Din? Or how about Lottie? Sounds like here, boy. Come on, Lottie. <laughs> I must have hit my head harder than I thought. You smoke? Mind if I do? Oh, sorry, Cheetah. I hope I didn't think of her. Yo, Rockman. Haven't seen you in a few millennia. Give me some tassel. Yeah, yo, yo. Say, you're a lot smaller than my last master. Either that or I'm getting bigger. Look at me from the side. Do I look different to you? Wait, wait a minute. I'm your master? That's right. He can be taught. What would you wish of me? The ever impressive. The one 
there for Jay Huddle, yeah. If you're in the pro client, any links that people put in um link to their name by using the colour coding. Okay, um do we just want to go around the room and give a, a a general thought on what people think of the basic assertion that I put there that um they've seen this growing trend of more and more famous actors taking to it. They don't think it's beneath them now. In actual fact, maybe they think it's even easy money. And and then I'll go back and, and guide us back on to some of the other clips and ones I have. Uh, Vegan Sani, I hope you come into on audio because you just agreed with me uh, because in text you've put, um, yes, Dave, that was the first voiceover actor I remember recognising. So, um, Graham, you're not shy at coming forward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that, that wasn't an insult. That was very diffi- diplomatically put. Anywho, now, um, yeah, this is very much so the uh, trend, unfortunately. Though it depends on which studio you're looking at. I mean, I only have to look at my DVD collection because I'm a big fan of this sort of area uh, where things need to be voiced over because, yeah, they are animated. Um, but, you know, things like uh, Wally and Finding Nemo, um, you know, from, from Pixar, generally don't get uh, major voiceover artists. They'll get some guy, you know, uh, guys that are sort of, they are actors, uh, jobbing actors. But uh, the big um, people that are very much guilty for this sort of stuff are the uh, your Sonys. Uh, well, most of the things belong to Sony, in fact. Uh, DreamWorks, definitely, because uh, you've only got to think, look, uh, things like uh, Through the Hedge, Shrek, um, also with this, uh, this 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 new Rango coming out as well. Uh, also, uh, Open Season, oh, you can go on, and but the old styles of um, Disney sort of stuff, that did start with, really, with Robin Williams, and then you had uh, Beauty and the Beast as well, which had uh, Angela Lansbury doing uh, voices as well. But then you got to think about the, the, the old days and the, the sort of the things that are still popular. Uh, you still got all the, I mean, you can talk films, but you can also talk TV, and there's still lots of things. You've got to think of the, the, the entire spectrum. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Warner Brothers, but Hanna Barbera, which now belongs to Warner Brothers, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which way you want to think about it. And uh, you had all the artists that did things like uh, Scooby Doo. Um, oh, I was trying to think. Uh, Think of the race, the wacky races, and the perils of Penelope Pitstop, where you got actors that you'll recognise if you watch enough of these things. Uh, guys, that basically it's the same voice for several different uh, different characters, or it's the same character repeated, uh, as in uh, wacky races and the peril of, uh, perils of Penelope Pitstop. Um, but then there's sort of the other sort of underscoring things. There are people that you know and watch, and you don't realise. And uh, that's where they first came from. They were voice artists before they were pr- uh, before they were recognised for being actors. And um, I've got to admit, uh, if you look at uh, Red Dwarf itself, the guy who plays uh, Arnold Rimmer there, um, he was first a voice actor working on a puppet series called Spitting Image during the uh, the 80s. Uh, I forgot what the guy's called. Uh, Chris Barry. Chris Barry. Uh, Chris Barry. Well he, he was. Chris uh, Barry. He was. Uh, 
he was a, a voice artist before he uh, even started on Red Dwarf. Uh, very good for doing things like uh, David Coleman. Uh, very much personalities, impressions, and personalities from from uh, British TV from the time. So I mean, it's, it's quite interesting that you've got people who have come from the voice area, who are uh, n then become actors and known for their faces as well, and then you've got actors who are known for their faces than going in the other direction. Um, well, Graham, let me just jump in there. Yeah. You're doing very yeah. well, but let me just give an example that, that, that may illustrate what you've been saying there. And going back a little bit, I'm going back to a film called Jungle Book. I'm going to play two clips. I think in each case, everybody will recognise the voice, but I think perhaps only a few people in the room will be able to name both people because one is a character voice actor whose perhaps your name is not that familiar, the other one was a famous actor. So I'll play the first one, and this is the, uh, the snake from Jungle Book, Car. Car! It's you! Yes, man-cub. So nice to see you again. Oh, go away. Leave me alone. Let me look at you. You don't... Want me to look at you? Then you look at me. No, sir. I know what you're trying to do, cop. You do? Uh, I mean, you don't trust me. No. Then there's nothing I can do to help. You want to help me? Certainly. I can see to it that you never have to leave this jungle. How could you do that? I have my own subtle little ways. <laughs> but first, you must trust me. I don't trust anyone anymore. I don't blame you. I'm not like those so-called fair-weather friends of yours. You can believe in me. Trust in me. Just in me, shut your eyes, trust in me. Uh, I have to cut the song off there. Uh, now, I won't ask you about to name that person. Let's play the other main, one of the main characters. This was the Sheer Khan. And uh, again, and then I'll ask you in the room about the two actors. What? I'll be right down. Yes, yes. Who is it? It's me, Shere Khan. I'd like a word with you, if you don't mind. Shere Khan? What a surprise. Yes, isn't it? I just dropped by. Now, forgive me if I've interrupted anything. Oh, no, no, nothing at all. I thought perhaps you were entertaining someone up there in your coils. Coils? Someone? Oh, no. I was just curling up for my siesta. But you were singing to someone. Who is it, Carl? Oh, 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 no. Well, I was just singing uh, to myself. Indeed. Yes. yes. You see, 
What a pity. Oh, you have no idea. It's simply terrible. I can't eat. I can't sleep. So I sing myself to sleep. You know, self-hypnosis. Let me show you how it works. A trust in me. Oh, no, I can't be bothered with that. I have no time for that sort of nonsense. Okay, and uh, I have to make a confession because when I sent the clip to Ian, I actually had the wrong name myself on the, the name of that actor. But uh, anybody want to hazard a guess of who played the snake? And no cheating now, no looking on Google. Well, I think the, the thing that's interesting here is that you've, you've chosen one of the films that kind of disproves what you were saying before about um, Aladdin being the first time that people were really advertised Indeed. as being the voice of Caught me out. I mean, you can quite see on the, on the original... Um, uh, I've known these names for a very long time because it was, it was on the original theatrical broadsheet. Um, and every time it's been re-released, there are the names, you know, Sterling Holloway. That's very clearly uh, who Kai is. And, of course, he would... But it, yeah, go he on was a more, voice actor, wasn't more he? More iconically to be perhaps Winnie the Pooh. He wasn't just a voice actor, uh, no. I mean, he appeared on episodes of, like, Andy Griffith, I know he was on. Um, he was definitely on Twilight Zone. Um, he was a... He was well, a what about the, wide, the wider audience? I mean, you've already said you're a fan. I mean, uh, the wider audience would probably not be able to name him, even though they would recognize it as a well-known... Oh, that may be oh. true now, but I think contemporaneously, he was a yeah. very busy actor in the 1960s. That was a real coup to get right. him on the project. Um and he had a very close association with Disney. Uh, I mean, there was, he was originally going to be cast, I think, in, in um, Snow White. Uh, and he was, I forget what he was down for, sneezy or bashful. I'm not sure, or dopey maybe, I'm not quite sure. He didn't get it, but I mean, he be, that started him on a long association with Disney. And so he often got at least two final auditions for a lot of parts, if not actually getting the part. Um, but of course, you know, he is obviously more famous as... Winnie the Pooh, then he well, is, well, uh, yeah. Just, just before you mention, don't mention the Shere Khan one first. Does anybody else in the room know who played Shere Khan before? I'm sure, I mean... Okay, Darth, sorry, I just want to give anybody a chance no, to no, jump no. in, get five no, points. Not... Well, I was going to say George Sanders. You're absolutely right, yeah. Mm. Well done. Yeah, quite, quite a famous um, British screen actor. And I mean, this would have been on a par with Robin Williams. Um, you know, he had that sort of level of, uh, of fame, especially because, you know, you're talking here in Aladdin. Aladdin is really something that restarted in a lot of ways, um, Robin Williams' career. I mean, he had had a, um, Dead Poets Society, which is really, I suppose, where you really start saying, okay, now he's a film actor. Um, but Aladdin showed his versatility in a way that people had forgotten for a decade, because um, it's much closer to the Mort character than anything that he had done in the intervening period. Um, so really, um, Robin Williams is not that as famous as we consider him today at the time that he lands the role of Aladdin. Aladdin is something that very much helps his career as much as um, it helps the Disney company. Um, and, and George Sanders oh. is sort of in that same vein. I mean, George Sanders now... At the t in 66, 67, when you're talking about Jungle Book, he's roughly at the end of his career. He's got about, I don't know, eight years left, I guess, until 
um, he's really done. Uh, and so he's bringing with him, you know, the cachet of being in, you know, the Ghost of Ms. Muir. Um, uh, what else was he in? He's in lots of other things. Before Picture that, of Dorian Gray, all about Dorian Gray, Yeah, I mean, really, you know, high class, um, Academy nominated kind of things is what he was he was bringing to the part. Um, and then, you know, I think I think you can draw a parallel there too of bringing in Robert Guillaume, for instance, in um, Lion King. You know, this was a an older voice that people would have recognized. Maybe not quite known who the voice is, maybe, but probably did. Um, if they went to movies at all, and therefore lent a, a great deal of authority to the part. So it's not a new thing. It's not it's not something of the 80s that suddenly we're getting the advertisement of um, people in it. Because I can quite remember, even in a, a relatively minor uh, Disney film called Oliver and Company, I can quite remember um, Billy Joel being well advertised as providing a voice in that. Well, um, can I just interrupt you there? I mean, I, I absolutely agree with what you say. And I think probably that, that happens sort of every 30 years when one lot of parent, children become the next parents and, uh, and and the names are then the ones they recognise. Like you said, that Aladdin probably slightly revived Robin Williams' career. Would it be equal to say that somebody like, uh, let's say, Mel Gibson on Chicken Run, uh, it, it, it revived his career a bit because he'd had a... Perhaps a couple of he was a little bit of out of favour. He'd done a few silly things, and and maybe that was his way back into um, the good books of the the viewers. Maybe. Well, you'd have to then assert that Chicken Run was a success, which it wasn't really. Um, well, again, this might be across the Atlantic type of thing, but yeah, probably yeah, nationally. I mean, Chicken not. Run is a big deal in Britain. It, I mean, it did okay, but I wouldn't consider it to be something. Most people have never. I've met have never seen Chicken Run or even heard of it. Um, right. I don't. I don't quite know offhand what it did, but I'm sure it didn't do a hundred million in the U.S. I'm sure it didn't do that. No way. Right. Um, um, if I can just break in here a minute as well. One of the other things was that, um, as well as big stars actually making. Um, you know, movies and being brought in. I suppose that you could conversely say that there are other films where uh, an actual characterization within a cartoon made an artist more well-known and then perhaps inflated their things. Now, let me play a clip, and this is from um, uh, 101 Dalmatians, and this is where what was brought to life was the Cruella de Vil character um, by an actress that I hadn't heard of, and, and I'm not too, too sure whether this did revive a career, but there are some people that their voices, you know, really stand out, and this is uh, Betty Lou Gerson, I think I pronounced that right. Let me just play, this is a short clip. Oh, I'd like a nice fur, but there are so many other things. Sweet, simple, Anita. <laughs> I know. I know. This horrid little house is your dream castle. <laughs> and poor Roger is your bold and fearless Sir Galahad. <laughs> Oh, Cruella. And then, of course, you have your little spotted friend. Uh, yes. Yes, I must say, such perfectly beautiful coats. Won't you have some tea, Cruella? Now, I've got to run, darling. Now, let me know when the puppies arrive. You will, won't you, dear? Yes, Cruella. Now, don't forget it's a promise. See you in three weeks. Cheerio. 
Cheerio, darling. Okay. Um, uh, the other one I was trying to think of is that, uh, but there's there were films that were sort of. Uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name. It slipped out of my mind while I was playing that. I was. It, it was going to cue me to something else, but that that was just a third leg of the debate I was going to bring up. That the we, we've got. Uh, voiceover actors who were well known as voiceover actors we've got actors that are used to boost uh, the profile of a film and they're well known and then they've gone on to have great success and, and then conversely um, that was supposedly an example of somebody who the particular character was brought vividly to life within an animation and may well have then enhanced the actor or actress's career so do you want to go on Darth? I'm thinking in this particular case, um, probably that's not. not. That's not really true because she basically uh, she she got a little bit of work afterwards. Uh, like you, there's uh, an episode of uh, oh Dick Van Dyke, I think that she's on. Uh, but basically, this is at the very end of her career because she's actually a relatively famous radio person. And of course, in the U.S., that means you know nothing current. That means you know, within the, the, the sort of depression era. Um, uh, so, you know, she she was hired in, in a way that a lot of the people for Walt Disney produced, that is, by the man himself, um, things were produced. And that is, he produced on the basis of the quality of the voice, not necessarily a whole lot um, on... You know, whether oh dear, somebody needs famous. to mute themselves. Hmm? Somebody's yawning. Oh. Can't have that in our exciting conversation. Go on, sorry, Darth, you're not making no. uh, me tired. No, that's okay. Uh, I mean, it, it's really only sort of at the very, in the 1960s, I think, that you start to get a hell of a lot of um, people who are cast because they, they've done things outside of radio, really, because, you know, that's just the history of entertainment is that's true in 1960 television too. It's you start getting people who are famous because of what they've done in film and what they've done uh, on other television shows, not because of what they did in radio, but for the most part, most of the actual Walt Disney produced um, theatrical films are using people who were radio talent to begin with, which would have made a lot of sense really, because that's all you had to go on is you, you're making a, an animated film really is, you know, a radio drama with pictures. And you see that today, even Big Finish, when they made their little thing for, um, the 3D thing for Bernice Summerfield. You know, they were they were talking about how this is like uh, making, it's just a radio thing that happens to have some visual pictures with it, too. So, you know, for this, um, I, this particular person, uh, is really at the end of her career. And that, you you see that a lot in the sort of later period of, of Walt Disney being alive, that he's start, he's using people who are sort of at the end of their career. Um, and Jungle Book is a little bit of an exception because Jungle Book is quite quite an exciting, glittery thing. It's really the only major critical success of the 1960s in terms of his animated films because the rest are fairly lackluster. Um, and... So in general, you're just talking about using sort of radio stars. I wouldn't necessarily say that 
you're launching people too much. And you certainly don't really do that these days. Um, a, a major animated film is not the place to launch a person's career or even really to take that much of a chance. Um, you, you might find the occasional bit part actor who's coming in there, like, for instance, in um, Little Mermaid. I forget the name of the actor, but whoever's doing the little crab, um, that became a distinctive performance that a lot of people remembered. I, I don't remember who the actual actor is, but that that helped that actor because they went on to get you know their own animated television series out of it. So there is a way that you can nowadays, which wasn't necessarily true before, there's a way that you can spin off an animated movie into a television series and thereby give maybe one of the character actors in the piece a starring role in a, you know, Saturday morning TV show, which is kind of a cool new phenomenon. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, well, the, the, good, well, I was going to say, Dave, there's a good point to that. Uh, very much come back darker than this one. Uh, the Madagascar films. The the guy actually uh, made the films himself. Actually, now got uh, a show with just the pet. Well, mainly the penguins. And the lemurs, uh, just called the, the penguins of Madagascar. I'm not sure what the English title is completely. Uh, and this is a very good thing. So he managed to make himself work by doing that. OK, yeah. Graham. Uh, I've got a clip of that, actually. So let's hear a little bit of Madagascar, which also has Ben Stiller in it. Happy birthday to you. You live in a zoo. You look like a monkey. And like one, two. <laughs> I say. Welcome to the Central Park Zoo. Most animals know a lot more than we think. Mm-hmm, I know that's right. They have feelings. We don't belong here. It's just not natural. This is all some kind of whacked out conspiracy. They make plans. Today we're going to blow this dump. I did it! And sometimes I wish I could go to the wild. They want more out of life. The penguins are gone, so why can't I? The penguins are psychotic. You didn't see anything. This summer... This place is crack-a-lackin'. DreamWorks Animation presents... Here come the people. Oh, I love the people. Ladies, what is wrong with you? Ben Stiller, Chris Rock, David Schwimmer, Jada Pinkett-Smith. It's the man. We've been ratted out, boys. Madagascar. Cute and cuddly, boys. And thank you, uh, The Third Doctor. Yes, he got Chris Rock before it was named. And that was the point that in that trailer, Graham and Darth, they, they actually make the, the point of naming the stars that are in it. Not, they don't just count on people might identify them. They, they're actually using it as an advertising tool. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, you got Tom, uh, the guy I was talking about is a guy called Tom McGrath. Who right. now, uh, he's now the pro- uh, well, basically got a job producing the 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 penguins of Madagascar show. Cute and cuddly boys, cute and cuddly. cuddly. <laughs> I could even do I could do that one in German. I'm not going to even start. But yeah, it's, it's it's a good thing. Now, 
David, I'd like to sort of bring up a uh, sort of thing of um, you said the sort of third thing of actors. Well, I'd like to bring up a fourth thing. There's actors who were known for being famous in something first, but then later on, even though they had sort of a career and been in many things, uh, got on to do voice acting for the most best part of their career. And um, the person I could most uh, talk about in this area is Mark Hamill. Uh, who's oh. first known as Luke Skywalker, uh, came to prominence as being Luke Skywalker, despite that he had a little bit of a career b- beforehand. And he's had bits and bobs in between um, being in um, the uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back film as uh, <clears throat> Knocker. Uh, he is uh, the guy who played for most of the time through the uh, animated, or the original animated series of the Batman um, series on TV, the Joker character, and uh, he's been doing all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, even doing voiceovers for things like the Wing Commander um, PC game series, as uh, as an example. There's been a, a few other people that have uh, done that, and my second example's actually just flown out my mind. Oh, well, he was in the um, the Batman animated series. Yeah, uh, I mean, other people who have started off um, in you know in film had a really big role, you know, really big role in their big sort of uh, first outing and that, um, but then later on went on to do sort of a lot of voice acting instead. Well, well, I think Mike's got something to add at this point about uh, Hamill. Oh, Mike, just, yeah, I was just going to just mentioned that he's also voiced Batman in a lot of the games, which is what uh, Grant was going was going on to there. Uh, one of the most recent Batman games, Arkham Asylum on the 360 PC and I think PlayStation 3, he, uh, Hamill voiced Bat, uh, the Joker in that as well. And uh, I'm yeah, he, uh, I'm not sure if he's re- redoing the role in uh, Arkham City, the the, the sequel game, but uh, he he voiced the uh, the Joker in that game, so going along with with the games okay thanks Uh, and is that true of animated uh, films i mean obviously a lot of them are not in they may actually be um done in a different language and then dubbed so i don't know how how far that carries over this 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 idea that we're putting forward whether it carries over into uh what we would class as uh, foreign language films um, I mean, obviously, some of them, like Howl's Moving Castle, I don't know whether they were made only in English, how they were made in two different languages, um, or what have you. I mean, I have the weird thing of being here over here in Germany. Um, you can actually be, well, I say actually be a star, but you can actually be well-known because you're the voiceover artist for um, a particular... Because most of the stuff that comes into Germany is dubbed uh, for the main sort of... Uh, commercial TV stations, not our uh, usual sort of like BBC type ideas. Uh, so you have a lot of stuff that's been voiced over and you get sort of maybe a actor who does like three or four actors. Uh, it's like uh, the the voice actor that does, uh, he does he does Bruce Willis and he does uh, Terminator. Um, oh, now what a time to forget the guy's name. Uh, uh, Schwarzenegger's name, uh, Schwarzenegger. So, you know, there's also the sort of the, the backwards sort of thing where you get something that's major in in the English area that comes over here and they've started actually doing it over here the same sort of thing of actually bringing well-known German actors into these pieces or comic actors usually well yeah that's a good thing to mention because uh, at the moment in France they're showing uh, the fifth series of the uh, 
the the doctor the i think vincent and the doctor was the last episode that aired but they have obviously the same actors french actors playing the different roles of the doctor and his companions and so on uh, and i believe on the doctor um news page they're saying that uh, when the french dvd box set comes out people will in france will have a choice of listening to it with the you know the the, the standard um english narration the english uh, voice are are the dubbed version uh so they'll get the benefit of both and um What's Jay Huddle put in? I won't watch anything that's not English dubbed. I prefer to listen to English rather than read it. Well, again, but the the, the whole point is, I suppose, that does give the opportunity, like Graham says, in these countries for for those people to come to the fore as the well-known voice. Uh, I mean, I'm sure with things like Harry Potter and all that, there there will be um, foreign language versions. I I do remember, and Tim might be able to back me up on this, that, um, you know... uh, that uh, you know, people listening to uh, used to listen to our uh, watch "Hello, Hello," and it seems very crazy. Well, you as well, Graham. You know, uh, <laughs> "Hello, Hello," was, again. Uh, uh, you know, about uh, a funny occupation during the, uh, in France during the Second World War, uh, and it's in English, but there's the you know the Nazi occupation. Hmm. But I believe it's being dubbed in, dubbed into German, so yeah, that German I, people can enjoy it. I think it, it was uh, one of the last yeah. countries they managed to sell it to in Europe. Germany. They well, sold it to France when it was a relatively new show. Right. Quite literally, quite literally, it is well here brand new. Um, as of 2011, uh, the <laughs> Comedy Central Network started showing it uh, as of January, and it's quite a laugh because you know these, you know the sort of the sayings and the things, and um, mm. you got the the flop. And I'm just still haven't come it's across. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when um, the 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 English undercover agent playing the the, the French policeman shows up because all all the gags in that <laughs> in the in the I, I think they had to adapt this gag around the world so it still worked somehow. No, and they're it, all, it, all to do with him not being able to speak French very well and saying stuff like "good morning." Yes, it, it comes across. It comes across uh, in in the very much in the German the same sort of way because you can quite literally do the same sort of misspeakings. Uh, I do this all the time in my German language anyway, and it's it's not just you know this is it comes across very very well and the sort of daft accents. Though you had to sort of send us have things like um, I'll give an example. Um, if you're looking at Charlie the Chocolate Factory, uh, the the one with. Um, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, yeah. uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, then the guy uh, has the, 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 the German kid has a German accent, but when he generally when he gets transferred into the German, for some odd reason they end up giving them always giving them a, a Bavarian accent, which is is kind of hilarious I find, and uh, I mean other sort of tra- uh, sort of dubbings as well. I mean it's a little sidetracking. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but Monty Python actually. Uh, not only came over here um, dubbed, but they actually specially did uh, a version of Monty Python with the original actors, uh, so John Cleese and uh, Eric Idle and, and the whole gang actually speaking their entire bits in German, which I've actually got on my DVR at the moment. It's quite hilarious. So, uh, you know, it can work that way, that uh, often you'll get, if you're lucky, you'll get a film that's uh, maybe in English, um, but uh, say one of the characters is a German actor, they'll try their damn best to get that German actor back in to do his own synchronisation. 
so he'll have his own voice no matter which version it is. Uh, there okay. was a film called there was a film called uh, the Pape das uh, de Papestin, which is uh, the female pope. Uh, I can't I don't know what the uh, the English language translation, but a lot of uh, English language actors uh, like John Goodman and all that, and the main actress is as German. But she actually, the, the way the film was recorded it was done in English first of all, and then they went into the tone into the recording studio, and then the German actors that were in it did their own voices again. Okay, Hello. right. Well, to, towards the end as well, we'll, we'll probably uh, come back to more TV ones. I'm sure Ian wants to mention uh, one or two, but just uh, for people listening to the recording later, I'm just going to give a quick brief uh, mention of a, a web page that I put in there, and, and I'll just very quickly go through them. It might just prompt one or two memories, and, I, and I'll also play another clip. But um, this is uh, cinemaroll.com forward slash animation forward slash 10-best-celebrity-voice-actors-in-animated-movies. And here are the 10, just to give you an idea of the sort of people that were coming. Uh, in number one, they've got Jeremy Irons as Scar in The Lion King. Then at number two, they've got Woody Hanks, uh, Woody Hanks, Tom Hanks as Woody <laughs> <laughs> in Toy Story. Um, they've got Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear also in Toy Story. Uh, we've got... Um, heads, though, yeah, half a bottle. Billy Crystal in uh, Monsters, Inc. Uh, Mike Myers in Shrek. Eddie Murphy, the donkey in Shrek. Uh, ben Stiller in um, uh, Madagascar, uh, Bruce Willis in Over the Hedge, uh, Dan Castellani, the, the the one who plays Homer from the Simpson movie, and Jack Black uh, from uh, Kung Fu Panda. So let me just play a couple of clips. But we'll start Dave, with the Dave, just before I forget. I mean, you got a list like that, and then you've got. Uh, I mean, you only got. Look at other films. I mean, I think you missed out. Oh no, I forgot what the guy's name is. Oh, Bruce Willis, who is uh, the over uh, the raccoon hedge. over the hedge. Mentioned that. Um, that number eight. Steve, Steve Carell. Oh, the other ones in it. Yeah, well, Gary yeah. Shandling was in it as Shandling. well. Shandling. William Shatner was in it. Nick Nolte uh, was in it. Avril Lavigne, who's not really an actress, but hey ho. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me uh, play. Uh, well, actually, it's a bit long. That let me play a different one. Uh, play from one from Madagascar, slightly shorter. Happy birthday! No, I won't. Cause I've already played that. You didn't well, spot that mistake, did you guys? All right, did. let's go to the <laughs> Shrek one. Princess, where are you? It's very spooky in here. I'm playing my games. Well, at least we know where the princess is. But where's the dragon? DreamWorks Pictures invites you to a land of fairy tales. Hey! Oh, no, 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 no. Dead girl off the table. Where are we supposed to put it? The bed's taken. What? Where an unlikely hero... Ah! You definitely need some tic-tacs or something, because your breath stinks! Rescues a fair princess. You didn't play the dragon? It's on my to-do list. From a nasty villain. Eat me! With the help of his trusty companion. This is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. This summer, one name sells action. 
not exactly what I expected. One name spells adventure. How about him? Before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. One name. Don't look down. I'm looking down. Spells romance. Uh, it's no way to behave in front of a princess. Uh, oh, ah. She's as nasty as you are. Come on. There's an arrow in your butt. Oh. Oh. And that name is Shrek. Shrek. Thank you very much. I'm here till Thursday. Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. You love this woman, don't you? Yes. You want to hold her? Yes. Please. Uh, yes. Then you got the, got the time. A little time Yeah, so there's quite a lot. And of course, the, the Banderas, whatever he's called, was um, the cat in uh, the second one. And, uh, yeah, and they also had the king played by... Um, John Cleese. John Cleese. So they're certainly uh, packed in. Ian, you've been quiet, and, and I realise you apologised at the beginning because you'd had such a late night, but uh, is there any point you want to come in here at this or not? One thing I want to disagree with on that list is they, they, they put Billy Crystal in there for Monsters, Inc. And I'm sorry, it's John Goodman. John Goodman's better in that movie than... than they totally wrap that character right around that man's voice, and he's fabulous in it. Sully well, let's, let's, hear a clip of, let's hear a clip of that, then. Nobody here. Huh? There's, there's no kid. There's supposed All to be a kid. Right, there's no kid this game. I'm panicking because well, there's no, a total no, no, lack no, of kid here. Let's just check the schedule. Very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me see. Nine o'clock. Nope, nine o'clock. Boys' bedroom. Boys' bedroom. Out of Magnolia. <sighs> Magnolia. Give me that. It's Mongolia, Mike. Does this look like Mongolia to you? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, okay, you remember the fifth grade yeah. when you spent all your time passing notes to Susie Boyles? Loved it. The rest of us were studying geography. This is not Mongolia. Uh, would, would you listen to this? Blame it on the little guy. How original. He must have read the schedule wrong with his one eye. Right, come on. Uh, don't take it personal. You were come thinking on, that. Don't you were be so that. sensitive. Uh, come on, buddy. Little Blinky. Don't, don't do buddy? that. Who's I'm daddy? resisting you. Come on. Don't make me come like on. you. Don't, I don't want to like on, you now. All right. <laughs> hey. Guess which planet I am, huh? Come on, look. Uh, Guess which planet I am. Okay, I'm going to go back to the break room before all the donuts are done. Don't you even get it, you big throw rug? Oh, nice doggy. (laughs) Nice big doggy. Sully, Sully, open the door. Open the door. No! Okay, Ian. It's it's actually one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Unfortunately, Liam's, Liam's kind of grown out of it. He refuses to watch it anymore. So it kind of takes the excuse away of going, oh, yeah, I was watching it with a kid, you know. I love Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> now you got the excuse. I'm watching it for me. Yes. Get um, with it. <laughs> one of the things I was, I was, and whether it's true or not, I mean, how much intention they had of actually bringing, uh, bringing him back to voice uh, Optimus Prime. Apparently, uh, uh Peter Cullen's uh, revoicing of, of, of Optimus Prime in Transformers was a total fan-run um, uh, petition to get him back into the uh, you know in, in the role. Uh, whether it's true or not, it's 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 truly fantastic to have him back behind the voice, and it's and it's great to see that a man who's basically you know, known for voicing cartoons on you know Saturday morning. Um, you know, got to bring that character to life on the big screen in such a big, I mean, 
they don't great movies. Uh, <laughs> Transformers, unfortunately. But it's great to see him back in, in, in the voice, and, and that was one of the things I thought. It was one of the reasons when, when Dave and I were kind of discussing what to do topics-wise um, was one of the reasons why we decided to bring this up is, you know, the the overabundance of you know, big names. I think there's a, something I wanted to read out from the article that Dave uh, sent me is uh, at the very, very end of it. Um, it they talk about, you know, the recent, re recent release of uh, the, the new Yogi Bear movie and that, that Justin Timberlake uh, uh, does the voice of Boo Boo. And Billy West, of course, uh, has voiced uh, Boo Boo in the past. Says Timberlake's performance sounds like a parody of a parody. Um, but he says the ultimate irony, the, the writer of this is the ultimate irony, uh, is that the film's demographic, kids, neither know nor care who Justin Timberlake is and, and that he's involved in this. And Tom Hanks tells a story of how he once met uh, a mum uh, with a kid clutching a woody doll. And Hanks took the doll and signed the fellow that shoes. Only to have the kid look at him aghast, like he defaced a Picasso. He didn't know <laughs> who, who he was, and he just thought some some jerk just scrolled ballpoint pen all over his woody toy. Uh, which I'm glad you had the word kind of, toy on the end of that. Yeah, and, and, and he didn't have the good, good, good grace to simply write Andy. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it, it, it does say a lot about, um, especially nowadays, what, you know, like Dave said in the beginning, that a lot of what they're doing casting-wise is to pull adults and uh, put a big name in there, and and because you know uh, that's what draws people in. You know, oh, such and such is in it; it's got to be good. Like, no, because they just sound like themselves. There are some actors out there who do a very, very good job of doing cartoon voiceovers, and they they manage to slip in behind those characters. Of, um, John yep. Goodman for one of that. I, I I just really kind of Billy Crystal is Billy Crystal in this movie, except with one eye and he's green. Um but yeah, there there are some that do a very, very good job. David Schwimmer I think is fabulous in in, in um in the Madagascar movies because there's something about that man that just gives off this um <laughs> sick giraffe vibe. <laughs> <laughs> he just totally suits being a giraffe. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, it's kind of sad in a way that, that we don't see, um, you know, we've gone away from a lot of these actors, uh, some of them we were bandying around in chat earlier, uh, uh, Lorenzo Music, who is probably best known for Garfield, uh, but a lot of these voice actors are uh, vocal chameleons. You could watch any number of cartoons and not even realize they're there. Uh, uh, there was somebody else that uh, look, Mike, you had uh, somebody else you wanted to There's some new guests in the room, Ian, by the way, as well. If oh, you can sorry. Yeah. When I start talking, it's just like ignore everything else. I'm going to say, Ian's, Ian's had a good point there with uh, Madagascar again, because uh, watching actually watching Madagascar again last night, because there was next to nothing on the television that I hadn't seen before, uh, I thought, oh, I'll split Madagascar in. And I was just sitting there for ages, and I was like, who is playing the lion? Who is playing? I had to actually get the case out to realise it was actually Ben Stiller. I I couldn't even recognise him from his own voice. 
uh, within the whole thing. So uh, as much as I don't like Ben Stiller in most of the films he's done, there's like only what like a handful of films he's done that I really like at all. Um, I thought it was really good because it didn't give away that it was actually him. If you were going to sort of go in and, and listen to this, I mean, Jada Pickett-Smith, you can hear out um, if you've ever seen her in anything. Uh, obviously David Swimmer, but David Swimmer, the, the character was basically sort of built, basically built around it if you've watched Extras on Madagascar. But... Uh, right. I mean, he's got, um, Ian was going about like films that were built around people as well. Uh, I mean, I didn't realise until the thing literally uh, came up on the Apple TV in the in the trailers section. If you've got an Apple TV, you can, you know, you've got the films list, and, and then if you've got it connected to the internet, you can actually watch trailers for films coming up. And there was this thing called Planet 51. And it's literally chock-a-block full, and it literally came and went, and you never heard anything about it. Um a great movie but it was literally one of those ones that slipped in and slipped out and went to, to DVD quicker and you can think about it it literally was in the German cinemas and about six weeks after it went out of the German cinemas it was on DVD uh, I mean you've got The Rock uh, Dwayne Johnson in it Jessica Biel who's in a ton of stuff and you don't realise it um, Justin Long who you might remember from the uh, I'm a Mac I'm a PC advert has been the Mac guy and uh, I'm real big names like uh, Gary Oldman who is quite literally a voice comedian anyway uh, Sean William Scott who plays a sort of, sort of the same sort of character and as he always does and John Cleese is back again doing another voice but John Cleese is another one of these sort of guys that semi-chameleonic but you sort of guess it's him by the way he's sort of if you've known enough of his stuff so I mean there's a film there right there it's a good film I've got nothing against right. it but they were quite literally must have been leaning on a, a good ensemble cast which they had but uh, it's just yeah it was the but, fact that it never really charted anywhere but you mentioned there also that there are films where they actually uh, they, you know they build on the character uh, uh, the actor's character and I don't think any one would be perhaps a better example than the, uh, one I can play now and that is the film Ants and they've got Woody Allen Woody Allen in an animated film but it's Woody Allen these these termites, they're they're these guys are not going to put up much of a fight, right? I mean, we're talking about pushovers, right? Not really, kid. They're five times our size, and they shoot acid from their foreheads. Hey, keep it moving, shorty. What exactly what does our platoon do? I mean, you, you know, are we going to be serving beverages or or processing paperwork? Our platoon or? has the best assignment of all. We're the first into battle. Hey, fellas, that's, you're being a little extreme, I feel. Why, why, don't we, why don't we just try and influence their political process with campaign contributions? Come on! Let's get some termite ass! Over the top! DreamWorks Animation and VDI present... Ants. I mean, this that's... Was, uh, this is, that was the movie that went up uh, against The Bug's Life. Um, right, lost. I thought they were both good in different ways because I thought Ants appealed more to adults. Yes. It even starts with Woody Allen's character on a kind of psychiatrist couch, which could have been a scene straight out of a Woody Allen movie anyway. Yeah, and I mean, the, here's, here's, the book... the, uh, here's the cast list. Woody Allen, Dan Aykroyd, Anne Bancroft, Jane Curtin, Danny Glover, Gene Hackman, Jennifer Lopez, uh, John Mahoney, 
Sylvester Stallone, Sharon Stone, Christopher Walken. It's like a who's who. <laughs> it's as good as a collective get-together, get that. Blimey. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is about Bugs Life, was I thought Bugs Life was um, uh, Hoppity Goes to Town remade. Uh, and if you're not, you're, nobody's old enough to remember Hoppity Goes to Town, but um, that was the that was the story it was based on. Uh, but you're right, uh, what a cast that was for Ants. Yeah, right. I, I was going to mention Sylvester Stallone there uh, before he ended, but uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. And well, it was <laughs> a the, head-to-head. On the flip, on the flip side, yeah. then here is the cast list for Bugs Life. Dave Foley, Kevin Spacey, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, Hayden Panettiere, uh, Phyllis Diller, Richard Kind, David Hyde Pierce, uh, Dennis Leary, Jonathan Harris, Madeline Kahn, uh, Bonnie Hunt, John Ratzenberger, of course, Brad Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason why I say, of course, John Ratzenberger, John Ratzenberger actually has been, I think, in every Pixar movie. He's the, he's the good luck charm. Right. I mean, it is phenomenal, the number of films that have... I mean, one of the ones that I was doing, and I've got a clip for and I'll play it next, is Cars, because it had Owen Wilson in it, who's uh, been in, in quite a few films recently. But then I realised, uh, having looked at the thing, that Paul Newman, I mean, how much bigger than you can get than Paul Newman in an animated one. Here's a clip for Cars. Oh, where am I? You're in Radiator Springs, the cutest little town in Carburetor County. How about some organic fuel? Take a car wash, hippie. Look, I'm Lightning McQueen, the famous race car. We love you, Lightning! I have a precision instrument for speed and aerodynamics. You hurt your what? <laughs> I know his type. Race car. I don't mean to be rude here, but you probably go 0 to 60 in like, what, 3.5 years? Oh, when is the last time you cared about something except yourself, Hot huh, Rod? Don't you big city race cars ever just take a drive? Oh, you get hit to this time of day. Holy Porsche. Hey, do I spot a little pinstriping tattoo back there? Oh, you saw that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Portion wind up in a place like this. I fell in love. Oh, Corvette. Hey there, Mater. You know her? She's my fiance. What? Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she just likes me for my body. I laughed before the punchline there. Never mind. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Nothing changes. Yeah, uh, I mean, I. Uh, this is turning out to be a little bit of a clip uh, episode, which uh, I, I, I occasionally like to do. But um, uh, we've got uh, we've got Mike on on audio, but we're not getting a lot from him. So, Mike, uh, what about the whole Pokemon White? Yeah, well, <laughs> put the game down. <laughs> I mean, is the whole range of uh, of uh, animation that we've 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 only just touched on. I missed out um, with your. Um, I never I never get the word right. Um, anime. A- anime is it? Anime. But think he's paying attention. I'm listening. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you got another badge yet? 
<laughs> oh no, I just got the first badge. <laughs> but yeah, it's earlier here in the text chat, Jay Huddle and I were having a discussion on the whole language, uh, the, the different language dubs for for different anime series, and there's a huge contingency in the anime fans among. There are a lot of fans who will only watch anime with the original Japanese voice acting and read vo uh, the, the subtitles. Uh, and then there are other fans, the, the same fans will say, just don't, don't even take into account the, the English dubbing and say, it's all, it's all horrible, the English dubbing, English voice work can't even compare to the Japanese voice acting. And there's the group of, there's the opposite group who uh, likes the English dubbing, but can't really get in. They don't really like the Japanese sub, uh, Japanese dubbing because they have to read the the text along the bottom of the screen while they're at the same time watching. I I like I did, the. I, go on. I have noticed that, and that's one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to bring you in on this, is because I've noticed that on a lot of convention circuits there is a contingent of uh, anime voiceover actors to, of course, you know, uh, redo the the. Uh, you know, the voiceovers into, into English, and they, yeah. they appear to have a following. So yeah, there, there are with. a lot. <laughs> there are some huge names in the in the English uh, dubbing community. I think one of the names that always comes to mind for me is that a guy whose name, last name I can never pronounce, but it's Vic Mignogna, uh, M I G N O G N I A. He, the first time I heard of him, he did the voice acting for. Uh, Edward Elric, one of the main characters for Full Metal Alchemist, and he's gone on to do voice acting for a number of various series, and including uh, main characters and minor characters for various series. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, voice actors in, in the English the, that do the English dub that have a huge fan following. I actually met Vic Mignogna back in 2009 when I was uh, at Gen Con up in Indiana. Sorry, what was his name again, Mike? Uh, Vic Mignogna. What's his name uh, again, Mike? <laughs> Sorry, I'm picking on you now. Naughty man. Try to get me to pronounce that last name. <laughs> but yeah, that's just that argument that always comes up in the anime fan community is uh, English dubs versus Japanese dubs, and I I prefer both. I I I like the English. I I I watch, um, of course. Uh, on Cartoon Network's late, late night lineup, Adult Swim, on the weekends, they show a lot of anime with the uh, English localizations, and there's some good ones there. The Bleach, uh, Trinity Blood, uh, Blood Plus, just a, a lot of... Uh, they showed uh, uh, Elfin Light and uh, Wolf's Reign for a while. Uh, but yeah, there's just there's a lot of uh, Gundam, Gundam Double O, as uh, Jay Huddle puts into chat. Yeah, so basically Adult Swim on Cartoon Network is the the place to go on, net, on, on actual satellite TV to... Watch a lot of this. Uh, Helsing Ultimate, he also puts in. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes on. Yeah, yeah I noticed some... in looking at some of these uh, actors, uh, especially when looking at convention tracks to see who's going to be there, and, and and noticing what their credit listings were on there, and then going and looking on say Internet Movie Database, is they don't seem to they seem to specialize in anime um, rather than crossing over and doing other um, animated series. Since we, is, do you know if there's any particular reasons for that? Is hmm. there a, a, a particular voice that they tend to look for when they're redubbing uh, these that, that these people can carry out, or 
I, if anything, it might have to do with the with the, the companies in charge of this, in charge of the the companies that buy the the licenses and do the localizations, as opposed to the companies that do that actually produce original content here in the uh, Western markets. Oh. Uh, they they probably have contracts with all of these voice actors, and they stay with the uh, localizations of anime. And uh, Jay Huddle, uh, Huddle uh, uh, posts in chat, uh, once you get your hook in something and it carries you, you kind of tend to stick to it, don't you? Uh, that's a good point there. Plus yeah. the actual sheer volume of the stuff that's actually come out of Japan mm. uh, in yeah. comparison as well. I mean, sometimes you don't have an absolute option. Uh, one of my favourites to watch, unfortunately, you've got to watch. It. You can only watch it with subtitles. Is an old uh, 60s, uh, start the 70s anime called uh, Battleship uh, Yakamoto, and you've got absolutely no choice over that. It's in its original Japanese with English subtitles, and it's just like, nah, no chance. Uh, but the thing is, also with anime, it also go back to the, the German side of uh, everything gets dubbed as things. Uh, in German, um, or watching anime on German TV, it is absolutely unwatchable. Uh, they're definitely, subtitles and the original Japanese artists uh, are much more called for here in Germany itself. Um, some of the anime people I know that watch it over here, they will sit and watch the with the original Japanese on and the subtitles in German because it's absolutely the... Uh, yeah, despite that the Germans have to dub just about everything that's imported, um, it is, on these anime films, pretty awful. Uh, it, sort of the usual dubbing goes from being ah to uh to ah. That's basically the entire thing. So um, things get lost. Right. Just uh, moving uh, slightly uh, to a different subject, I mean, one of the things that uh, has often made it into the animated are the um, the Roald Dahl books that have made it into animation. I mean, uh, one of my favourite stories, and I haven't yet actually seen the film because I think I want to buy it on Blu-ray and own it, so I haven't seen it, is the, uh, the Fantastic Mr Fox. I'll just have to read a little bit of this because I, I just love this story. Uh, it's uh, the three farmers that harass the fox. Uh, Boggy spun some bean, one fat, one short, one lean. These horrible crooks, so different in looks, were nonetheless equally mean. But th- there's a fantastic array of artists in this. Let me just get, read out. We've got uh, Mr. Fox, George Clooney, Felicity, Meryl Streep. We've got uh, Badger, Bill Murray. We've got uh, Franklin Bean by Michael Gambon. Uh, I mean, there's, there's there's quite a few more, but unbelievable cast. Let's hear a little clip of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Wes Anderson creates a triumph in animated storytelling. Honey, I'm seven non-Fox years old now. My father died at seven and a half. I don't want to live in a hole anymore. And I'm going to do something about it. Don't buy this tree, Foxy. This is Boggus, Bunce, and Bean, three of the meanest, nastiest, ugliest farmers in this valley. You're moving into the most dangerous neighborhood for someone of your type of species. Your comments are valuable, but I'm going to ignore your advice. The cuss you are. Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss and point You're going to cuss with somebody. You're not going to... Just buy the tree. Okay. Rolling Stone Rays. Fantastic Mr. Fox is a movie that deserves to be called groundbreaking. Like nothing you've seen before. They look good. Yeah, we do. It's proof that Pixar doesn't have a monopoly on heartfelt and funny animation. I'm asking if he thinks we're in for a hard winter. Academy Award winner, George Clooney. What's this thing you do, the whistle with the clicking sound? That's my trademark. 
Academy Award winner, Meryl Streep. You really are a quote-unquote fantastic box. I try. Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Owen Wilson. Whack Bass, real simple. There's three grabbers, three taggers, five twig runners, and a player at Whack Bass. Center tagger lights a pine cone, chucks it over the basket, and the Whack Batter tries to hit the cedar stick off the cross rock. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Now, there again, with that one, they, there's obviously, they wanted George Clooney to sound like George Clooney. They wanted absolutely to be no mistake in the theatre that they paid for George Clooney. Um, a, a little bit like the one I, I played before with, um, um, oh, who was it? The, um, oh, my mistake number four coming up, the Woody Allen one, where they want, Woody Allen is Woody Allen. They don't want Woody Allen to do a strange voice. They don't want George Clooney to do a strange voice. They want him to be immediately recognisable as that person. So there are people that are brought in definitely for their star quality to be almost themselves. Uh, there are others ones that, um, and I think it was Tim who's just left us, uh, was listening to somebody, and they, they didn't recognise who it was until the actual credit rolls. So um, there they do seem to be two disparate types with that. And one other thing I would mention, and this is not really connected with voiceover actors in search of our topic, but um, apparently when they've got these people in the studios, they do attach all these body tags to them. And, and so that when they're waving their arms about and gesticulating in that actor's style, they try and incorporate that into uh, the animation of the the, the series. Uh, because, again, they want to get more of the actor on screen, as it were. So um, I don't know whether anybody has any comments on that. Darth has been quiet for some time. Um, I don't know whether I bored him with all my clips or he's just happy to listen along. Darth? I think you put him to sleep. Oh, I did indeed. Okay, oh, well, my. Right, well, while we <laughs> wait for that, let me play... Um, uh, another clip, but that will bring him back running, won't it? Uh, we, we, we had mentioned a little while ago the um, the Yogi Bear film because of uh, the fact that the children, that you read about it, didn't you, Ian, about um, yes. Justin Timberlake being in it. And it's amazing, by the way, to somebody my age to think that now Justin Timberlake is too old for kids to remember. Good God, he's only about 18, the lad. Here we go. Full speed ahead, boo-boo! Okay! Wildest bears on earth. Meet Yogi and Boo Boo. Looking good, Yogi. They're grabbing lunch. We've got our first customers. One basket at a time. Nice day for a picnic. What the heck was that? I have problems with potato salad. Bears avoid people not running around stealing their food. I smell PB and J. I'm okay. Yogi's got the smarts. You do come up with some good plans, Yogi. That's because I'm smarter than the average bear. Boo-Boo's got the moves. Kicking it. And together... This is the most advanced chicken and basket stealing technology ever invented. Wow. They've got lunch covered. Oh, it missed. I wonder if he noticed the pie. Yogi Bear. I'm so smart it hurts. In 3D. It's got a little of everything. Music, stunts, magic, and I jump over Boo Boo at the end. No, you don't. I'm going to try it. 
Yeah. Almost trying too hard. I was going to say there, Dave. Um, you got the sort of it's something that has all sort of uh, seems to be coming up as of late. Um, you got um, two actors that are well known for doing their own things. In fact, mostly working together as well. Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray uh, coming into films. Uh, doing voices that were originally voiced by somebody completely different at the beginning. You had Bill Murray doing Garfield for two films, and now you've got Dan Aykroyd coming in and doing uh, Yogi Bear. Right. I, now, I'm going to bring that up, too, based on this, too. Uh, but just uh, to, uh, to Dave's fifth mistake, um, <laughs> Timberlake's actually about 30. Um, Never. <laughs> he's born in 81. I don't think he's started shaving yet. He's born in 1981. <laughs> Look, last time I saw him in, he was trying to get breast milk in the middle of the uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to bring up Garfield, um, because that one I'm not opposed to. Because if anybody could actually pull off the kind of tone um, that, that Lorenzo had given Garfield's voice. Because I always thought that, Garfield, that Lorenzo Music's um, voice for Garfield was just perfect. It's how I had always imagined him sounding when I read the books growing up um, and, and, and all the strips. Um, so that one I don't mind at all. This one I just... Yeah. Like it says in the article, they're parodies. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's one again, of the things they, about... Kids don't care about the two of them doing the voices. It's, it's to get the parents in there. It's like, oh, yeah, they've got some big names behind there. That must be good. Yeah, I mean the one thing I would add there is that I mean that was why probably the Simpson movie worked because the the you you couldn't have imagined different actors voicing them if they moved from TV to film, could you? Right, right. And that's the interesting thing too is that that, that um, celebrity list that you had of celebrity you know. Oh yeah, I'll doing I'll find that and put that back in the room. Yeah, go on. The interesting um, thing about it is that that. Um, no offense, they're all accomplished uh, comics, etc. But uh, especially Dan Castellaneta, he's not, the thing that made him who he is, really, is Homer Simpson. That's what brought him out. That's that's what propelled him into into the spotlight. Um, I mean, he's he's, he's very good in, in many other things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, The Simpsons is what really kind of brought these people to the forefront. And also, the, there's another guy where who's gone the opposite way, Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer is known for being a comedian actor, first of all, and is now going to, well, is mainly now doing voice work for Simpsons, uh, right. doing three or four different voices there. Yeah. Well, yeah. at this point, I'd like, sort of, uh, here's another one of uh, the sort of more famous, going back to voice artists proper, that guys were just a voice artist. Uh, there was another sort of uh, famous voice artist from back in the day from sort of Warner Brother cartoons uh, era. And a guy called Chuck Jones, uh, who was also known for doing uh, all, all the Dr. Zeus um, TV specials uh, through the end of the six, uh, through the 60s and the 70s. Uh, you know, everything up to about, I think it was about 83 was the last one came out. Approximately, uh, the, Grinch's, the Grinch Grinch's The Cat's in the Hat in 1983, I think was the last one. And uh, I mean, they're all done by uh, Chuck Jones, who was who was also known for doing a lot of the sort of voices there. Uh, well, didn't Jim Carrey do the the Grinch? Or I'm, uh, I'm Jim, gonna... Jim did. Uh, Jim Carrey did the Grinch in the uh, the full uh, ensemble cast version. 
just like uh, Mike Myers did the Cat in the Hat a few years later um, in the sort of uh, the non-animated but slightly anim well, Jim Carrey's version wasn't animated as such, but the Cat in the Hat was more animated uh, around uh, the main actors. So you had sort of a bit of uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey sort of thing going on there. Uh, but uh, right. yeah, I mean, there's also sort of people that you're known for their voices. Uh, bringing up, uh, and just thinking about this, you got um, Jim Henson, and he's got his whole the whole the whole thing is you need voices for these puppets, and you had uh, a guy there, and I've got uh, Frank Oz, uh, who's you know he was famous for doing lots of voices for, for Sesame Street uh, and the Muppets, but also was the voice of Yoda in the Star Wars films. So I mean, you've got it's not just like You've got uh, voice actors who are famous for doing animated uh, films or TV series as well. You've got guys who put in voices to puppets there, uh, who end up being just uh, can be just as famous themselves. Uh, even one of the sort of the guys that um, create these things, Phil Tippett, uh, actually did a, a voice as such. Uh, he was the the guy that did the um, Salacious Crumb uh, in the in the first Star Wars film. So. You know, there are people that are around there who do the voices for for puppets as well that can be also become just as famous uh, as any one person. Uh, I can't remember the guy who did Big Bird. I can't remember what he was called, but uh, you know, uh, at the sort of the time in the mid 70s, he was he was he was fairly famous himself as well. Okay. Right, that's one that I'm actually uh, thinking of too. And uh, excuse me while I talk while I look for it. Uh, a a scene stealing actor uh, from The Incredibles. Uh, and I'm looking for he's also the director of of, of the Incredibles, uh, who voiced Edna Mode, uh and ended up really kind of just stealing the show with that with the whole voice performance. It isn't really per se an actor. Um and it was just because there wasn't anybody else to do you know um to do the voice. Uh was it Brad Bird, that's it. Bird. Yeah, uh, this happens quite a lot within these animated things. You'll find it's like a, a um, sort of various, I say, minor character uh, that all need voicing, and that's how the skip, like in the Madagascar films, uh, Skipper got voiced by by uh, Mr. McGrath uh, because that was because there was nobody to voice it, and so he was actually the, he's the director of Madagascar uh, or both Madagascar films, and he ended up doing the voice for the uh, for the penguins and a few others as well. Uh, this this happens is is not unknown for actual uh, the actual one of the animators or maybe with the, one of the producers themselves to come and do the voices. Um, it was a, I can't remember, there was another film that happened with that. Um, yeah. Well, while you think of that, one of the yeah. other things that that Ian hinted at as well is that a lot of these um, actors that do the uh, voiceovers, they're also mainly uh, a lot of them are comedians, and uh, one of those is Jack Black. And here's a little uh, clip of uh, the. Kung Fu Panda 2 trailer. Oh, 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 oh. Next summer. Oh, 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 oh. Prepare for the return. What Of awesomeness. My fist hungers for justice. That was my... Everybody was Kung Fu Jack Black. Kung Fu Staring Contest. Go! Right, and uh, I'm trying to look to see who else w was in that. Uh, Angelie Jolie, uh, Jackie Chan, Lucy Liu, 
um, um, Michael, Michelle, sorry, Rowe, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme as the croc, Gary Oldman. So again, really, be Dustin Hoffman. So uh, this is for uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. Again, uh, quite a big, big cast. And that was one of the things the, the the link we mentioned before. I think when uh, I went way back to um, the uh, you know the Aladdin movie, I think uh, Robin Williams got paid something like seventy. Yeah, uh, Williams was reportedly paid seventy five thousand dollars for Aladdin, although Disney still had to woo him by cutting some audio from his stand up work over the rough animation. I mean, I mean, obviously, the, the, you've got inflation and so on, but uh, presumably that was a, a groundbreaking amount at the time. It's probably nearly got another note on the end of that by now. More like three quarters of a million, I would have thought. So, and it came back to me. It was Ice Age. Um, ah. The little squirrel character was actually oh, voice. Yeah. Well, I say voice, but the, the, uh, he was just doing it. Um, if you go and look at the, the sort of making of, you'll find out that he was just sort of doing sort of uh, different voices for the little squirrel, uh, just so that um, people, the animators, could get an idea. And it ended up that he ended up doing that voice anybody because they couldn't get anybody in that did it as good as he did. So that's where literally again the uh, director himself, you know, one of the production team themselves, actually came in and did a voice, where it be sort of you know just the sort of the sort of the, um, I forgot what they call the little guy. Um, but hey ho, <laughs> I'm sure it'll come yeah. back after we're off here. Um, any, uh, anybody else that's not really has? Uh, we've we've lost Tim on audio. Uh, Darth, I don't know whether it's Darth come back to his microphone. Um, I called him. Uh, Darth, mm. Okay, well, while we're just vegan, checking, let vegan, me... vegan Sarnis put up Scratch, the character, the, the, uh, the character's name. All right. Well, well as, uh, one of the one names that's been mentioned a few times uh, is um, uh, Johnny Depp, and one of the other films he was in recently, of course, was Alice in Wonderland, and that also had somebody, Helen Bonner Carter, uh, Anne Hathaway, who's just recently um, hosted the Oscars, not too successfully, <coughs> I don't think. Matt, Matt Lucas... Stephen Fry, come. We don't speak of the Oscars. They okay. never happen. You right. didn't see anything. <laughs> okay, here's a little clip from uh, Alice. Uh, let's have a look. This is uh, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> it's you. No, it's not. Brought us the wrong Alice. It's the wrong Alice. You're absolutely Alice. I'd know you anywhere. I'd know him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can see, we're still having tea. And it's all because I was a bright little time waiting for your return. You're terribly late, you know. Naughty. Time can be funny, you Yes, yes, of course, but now we're back, you see. And we need to get on to the Fragile's Day. Fragile's Day! <laughs> I'm investigating things that begin with the letter M. Have you any idea why a raven is like a writing desk? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a pity we've lost a gun. Well, of course, you had there Barbara Windsor as the Dormouse, which was one of the, the very few anim proper animated characters that were probably 100% animated. 
because uh, you had with with Matt um, from Little Britain, his character is basically himself doubled, and uh, basically it was his, his fa facial features were basically kept and put onto the the balloon-headed bodies from uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Well, well, two things there. One, uh, it shows that the actual live action and animation is merging together because in, in the latest Tron movie, of course, we have uh, the, the, them doing that very same thing uh, to make uh, the the younger character. Um, I'm trying to remember again the name of the actor, <laughs> but from from Tron, uh, they use the younger version of him. But um, one of the things that uh, the Oscars mentioned that. Ian said we can't mention the actual awards was the fact that in the top 10 animate top 10 films um put forward uh, there was an animation and in, in the last two or three years there's been quite a few animated films being put forward in those very high categories and it's pity that logan's left us because uh almost the last clip i've got to play now some people might be pleased about that is a, a clip for toy story 3 and then we'll see if we can name some of the actors in that. Don't you get it? We're finished. Obsolete. Over the hill. Now, come on, guys. We all knew this day was coming. We're getting thrown away. No, no one's getting thrown away. We ain't ever getting played with. Hold on. This is no time to be hysterical. It's the perfect time to be hysterical. Should we be hysterical now? Yes, maybe. But not right now. Come on. Let's see how much we're going for on eBay. New toy. My nose. There it is. Here's your arm. Let me touch Honey, the mustache. We're busting out of here. One, three. One, three. Whoa. Two, infinity. And beyond. To reset your Buzz Lightyear, insert paper clip. Rex, use your finger. Did you fix Buzz? Itakura espacial. Uh, sort of. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Return of the Astro Nut. Uh, thank you to Cybob in text. It was Jeff Bridges, the, 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 the way they made Jeff Bridges look young in, in Tron. Thank you, Cybob. Just shows people that are listening. Um, yes, in there, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, uh, Joan Cusack, Ned Beatty, Don Rickles, Michael Keaton, uh, John Ratzenberger again, um, and a couple Wallace of other names Wallace I don't really recognise. Wallace, Wallace Shawn is great in it, um, but the, the one I always like, of course, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, which is Don Rickles <laughs> and Estelle Harris, are just perfect in it. Uh, yeah, and of course, like I said, John Ratzenberger has to be in it. It's yeah. him. I mean, yeah, on Reichsenberg, I mean, you're saying that. Um, the previous year, uh, the one that was up for the for the prize was up, and John Reichsenberger was the construction foreman, Tom, in that one. Uh, right. And and in that you had you had a real heavy sort of uh, classic heavy gun um, actor in one of the main roles there as as Charles Munts, the the uh, the missing explorer, was played by Christopher Plummer. Uh, I think it's about the only real, sort of, for me personally, the only real sort of famous name in that whole lot, um, apart right. from John Ratzenberger. So well, I mean, what, it doesn't. What, it doesn't it, that was a proof that you had a whole film that was done really well, 
uh, I've got a list of actors that may be sort of known within their sort of various fields, but um, the fact that you didn't, you had one major uh, name in that film in its entirety, right. in Christopher uh, Plummer, and it was it was a bigger hit than some that are uh, nothing but main names. Right, Mike wanted to. What what what's that you commented on, Mike, about Toy Story three? It's about the voice actor uh, Jim Varney, the voice actor for the Slinky Dog in the first two. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story movies and the fact that between in the, the the large gap of time between the second and the, 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 the and the third Toy Story three uh, Toy Story movie, Jim Varney passed away. So they had to, of course, include the, the same character. But they found a voice actor. I can't remember the name of the actor who did Blake who Clark. voiced him. Okay, well, but he's, what was he's that? Ian, we didn't miss it. Blake Clark. Ah, thank you. He sounded close enough. But, uh, yeah, Jim Varney voiced uh, Slinky Dog in the first two movies. And, yeah. Just wanted For those to of you who, who, who Blake Clark is, uh, let me put a face to the name. If, uh, has anybody, if anyone's seen Fifty First Dates, uh, the Adam Sandler movie where, uh, with Drew Barrymore, where she can't remember, she's got a very, uh, she's got a bad memory. She can't remember anything the next day. Um, DVD's about 50 centimetres away. Ah! Yes, he oh, father in he, 51st Dates. He was also in The Waterboy as the uh, Farmer Frank character who trained to fill uh, the, the the football team as well. Um, he's a recurring character in a lot of um, Adam Sander films because he has a the club of friends that he picks, uh, brings back in again for yeah. that sort of stuff. And if anybody's wondering who Jim Varney is, um, it, I think, was it not Eric? Um, Ernest. Uh, a lot of these. Uh, if, if anyone's wondering who Jim, Jim Varney is, step close to the mic. Flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Ernest goes to this. Ernest does that. Ernest thing, and he also played in the in the the only sort of uh, live uh, film version of um, um, Beverly Hills uh, Beverly Hillbillies, uh, the actual film version. He played Dick Clampett himself, absolutely brilliantly. I thought, but hey ho. But uh, it's sad that he's gone. Yeah. yeah, that Blake Clark's also going to be in this new film, Rango. I don't know, has it actually come out yet in the uh, States, yes. or is it? Yes, um, actually it's uh, number one in the States at the moment, I believe. Wow, Alfred M- Molina as well in that, uh, who's a, a, a well-known British actor. Bill Nye, another well-known actor from Vincent and the Doctor that's uh, currently just aired in France, of course. Um, Ray Winston, Harry Dean Stanton. Wow, it's Pretty good guy. Uh, Abigail Breslin, is that? Um, let me just put the, the link into the room. Uh, this is the wiki link for this film. Any, anybody had any feedback on this film? Is this going to be, uh, you know, has it got a good buzz about it? Yeah, so far so good. Uh, it's due out within the next week here in Germany. Uh, it'll be Thursday, I think, uh, the 11th, uh, March 11th, due out here. According to Den of Geek, it is actually number one at, uh, at the box office in America right now. So, yeah. An unnamed pet chameleon, played by Johnny Depp, becomes accidentally stranded on the Nevada desert. And and won't need to read any more the, the links there. So, that looks like something that's worthwhile looking forward to. Wow. Yeah. Oh, budget. A hundred. Listen to this. Budget one hundred and thirty-five million for an animated film. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's starting to get to sort of silly territory. 
And the other sort of thing is a lot of that budget will probably be, you'll be looking at, you know, what the actors were paid. Um, probably 30, 30 million in advertising. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff as well on top. Um, I mean, there's a point I'd like sort of at this point there where sort of probably getting good to getting winding down with this sort of stuff. Certainly, um, will do soon, I think. Um, is the fact that it is uh, film-wise. I mean, okay, TV-wise is not so bad, but film-wise, it's starting to get to be a real shame because okay, you have big voice, uh, not big voice actors, but big famous people coming in to do voices for um, for these sort of things and that, and it's kind of sad because the actual people who are out there, the proper sort of voice actors who are actually brilliant at doing voices, uh, different sort of voices, they're basically really these days are either getting bit parts in these sort of films or not getting a looking at all. Uh, which getting squeezed kind of, out, yeah. Getting squeezed out, which is kind of sad. Okay, it's fine when you get somebody like Kevin Conroy, uh, who's the um, who's Bat- who plays Batman through a lot of the animated stuff there. Uh, and that sort of thing, uh, getting parts on, there's a lot of TV animation that needs voiced, uh, but then you've got like big films like this, and these guys are getting squeezed out, and not getting, you know, this, you know, the, getting the big guys in to do the films, and that is probably what's pushing the costs up uh, quite tremendously, and well, you probably... Actually, speaking of Kevin Conroy, there seems to be uh, uh, the, the, the casting of a lot of the, the DC uh, movies that they're bringing out seem to be going with a lot more well-known voice actors now, the actual stars doing voiceovers, and it kind of bugs me in a way. Uh, yeah, uh, this is all the sort of fall we, down, and these guys are not getting a look anymore. Because he'd, he'd be able to really come in, kind of come in on this whole, you know, on the, the voice cast for a lot of these um, superhero yeah. animated uh, things. Uh, yeah, it really just brings <laughs> another point in here as well that uh, we've not even switched on voice actors in video games, which again that's um, and it's, it seems to be almost a safety net that they're bringing in to sort of make sure that the, the thing sells. Now, having said that, I mean even in the even in the Doctor Who games, uh, which have been free in the UK and, and very modestly priced elsewhere, so they're not a big budget item. But even the very fact that they actually have Matt Smith. And Karen Gillam voicing their, the the character of the Doctor uh, and Amy Pond does lend a legitimacy to it. Uh, but in the in the big budget games, presumably that's another thing to actually add, um, you know, uh, buying power to it. So, any particular comment you wanted to make on that, Mike? I just you want to just mention it was something that we hadn't touched on. Well, I was just going to mention it as the sort of the third pillar to this discussion. Of course, we've got the like the television animated specials, we've got the movies animated specials, and uh, video games. Which, um, looking at how the video video game industry is doing comparative to the uh, movie industry, it's definitely worth considering. And uh, yeah, just the whole thing. And as video games have progressed over the different console generations, and now it's more and more common to see. But, or here rather, voice actors in video games, and it's uh, the whole thing with um, unknown names versus well-known names. Because I, I there's there are certain video games that are developers that look to bring in well-known voice actors or just well-known actors in general to, to voice characters to sort of push the product. And in case they're trying to do like a like an a new IP, a new game that no one's heard of before, bring in a a, a known actor to help. You know, bring publicity to that game. Uh, 
I know, I know there are quite a few, but I can't think of any uh, specific examples right offhand. But the, it's uh, becoming more and co more common. Just voice actors in general, and whether and of course, one more thing to add to that is um, existing franchises. And as they progress, should they be, should voice acting be introduced to them? Uh, in particular, there's uh, of course the Legend of Zelda franchise and voice acting, and that there's a group of people who want there there are people who want voice acting introduced to the Legend of Zelda franchise. Then there are people who say Link should never talk, and there should not be voice acting in those because Jim, his, because looking at the history of the franchise, it they, the storytelling is better without. But uh, yeah, voice acting in general in video games is becoming more and more common, and uh, just it's, it's on par with animated movies and TV specials. Well, I, I think uh, I'm not sure we can open a, a, a great deal on that as we come up to the two-hour mark, but one thing, that the whole thing could come full circle, to my mind, that um, with all these um, computer CGI's they've got now, we could have a situation where in 10, 15 years' time, or 20, 30 years' time, or 50 years' time, people like uh, George Clooney and all these other actors could actually be replaced by voice actors because they, the... Um, the cinematographers and the CGI people will be able to recreate the visual aspects of those perhaps long dead actors, uh, and then we're wanting voice actors to um, <laughs> provide the voice for those long dead actors. So yeah, they may never, they may have the second laugh sometime in the future. Yeah, the sort of the uh, <clears throat> the dreaded next wave of the remakes, so to speak, uh, where you get pretty pretty much films well, remade well they already do it in adverts i mean we've seen in the uk um actors where uh, adverts where they've done it it looks like casablanca and you and you get the the bogard's voice and the, it looks like Humphrey bogard and uh, the vo the act the voice sounds like him uh, but it's really just um a reimagining of of Humphrey bogard which is the ultimate you know getting back at these people that have uh, taken away their, their living. But, however, Ian, I don't know that we're about right for just uh, going around our final thoughts. It does look as though yeah. Darth had to step away from his microphone, which is why we haven't heard from him. Uh, we've had some good back. comments. In oh, hang on. Yeah, no, I, I didn't... and I heard what Ian was saying before about, oh. I don't know, the, the tragedy of... Um, sort of actors who are only who are really voice actors primarily being pushed out for big name actors and I don't agree with that because I don't think it's in any way a tragedy whatsoever um, in the first place I think that there are now far more opportunities for people who are just doing voice work than there ever have been at any point in history because you've got not just the um, theatrical movies that are being released but you've got proliferation of uh, television uh, stories that are animated you also have, you know, the whole video game side of thing, which is just massive. Uh, and I think that there's plenty of work for people like, oh, who's the really famous one? Is it Tara Strong? I think that's her. If that's not her name now, that was her name before she got married. Um, she's a really profligate um, uh, voice actor who did things like Supergirl and um, various voices in the um, Dennyverse, that is the you know, DC Comics animated universe, um, and just tons of other stuff, too. Um, I think that, that there's there's more than enough work to go around. And 
if it means that we're going to have performances out of our A-line actors that we wouldn't otherwise have, then I'm all for that. Uh, you know, because some of this work, like with Jeremy Irons, clearly, um, or Angela Lansbury, or hmm, uh, to an extent Jack Black, um, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing in animation is iconic, and it is stuff for which they will be remembered in exactly the same way that our generation might remember, um, you know, Sterling Holloway, or even, um, you know, Louis Armstrong did a little bit of voice work as well. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I don't think that people are being pushed out. I think that um, a lot of animated movies are getting made on the strength of the fact that they've got a, you know, A-line star in them. And, and then that provides a lot of voice work that wouldn't have existed, you know, at all without that one thing going through. So I think it's great. I think it, I think it extends the life of actors. And I think, you know, basically, as JFK said, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. Um, and I think that's what's really going on is, is a revolution in the, the amount of work that's available to people who are um, in the voiceover industry. Well, can I ask you a question? I don't know that he had stepped away from your microphone when uh, we were talking about uh, this Rango that's come out. And uh, I, I was amazed when I checked the wiki page and it said the, the budget for it was $135 million. Now, that's going to soak up an awful lot of money in big-name things. I mean, do you see that as good because it's elevating animated films into the, you know, into the grander scale of things, or is it mean that it would be better if, like, well, let's say it, for that sort of money, you think you could make 10 animated films? I think you could. Not not CGI animated films, you could. You might be able to make 10 traditional 2D films, maybe. I don't even know about that. Um, it costs a lot of money to make a CGI film, and it's not necessarily everything to do with the you know, cost for your talent. I mean, uh, or to put it another way, um, what's happening is that you're starting to get individual computer animators who are becoming known within the industry and who are getting their own agents. And so you're actually paying for the talent of the CGI actor in addition to the talent of the uh, voice actor. You know, people will go to the extent of hiring particular animators to do particular things because they start to understand how to do certain emotions. And when that happens, then they become a unique commodity. Then they become, you know, an actor in and of themselves. So you're starting to get all this, you know, really big specialization that's going on. That's what's driving up the cost. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, yeah, sure, you are paying, you know, millions of dollars or you're paying points to your big actors or whatever, but I don't think that you're quite allowing for how expensive it is to actually make a CGI film. I, I don't know what the numbers are, and so I'll say that right up front, but I, I do know that you're talking multiple tens of millions, and you can just tell that in, you know, just look at Doctor Who and look at the little bit of CGI that goes into that and how much that costs, and how much of that is given to the, the Doctor Who team at a discount, because, you know, people like, oh, I don't know, what's his name, the guy who invented massive software for Lord of the Rings, the New Zealander who worked on, what you call it, um, 
Oh, oh uh, the, 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 the Don Noble first, the the, the Don and Noble Partners first episode, uh, Partners of Crime. Yeah, I mean they they flew in a special animator just to do the March of the Adipose, you know, because he the guy who invented massive software was the only one on the planet really who could economically do all those adipose at once. Um, so you know, right there you start to see the specialization of hiring behind the scenes talent. And and you got to think they could only do it for a few seconds because of how much it costs. And he was giving a massive discount because he's a massive Doctor Who fan. Um, so I mean, there it, it costs a lot up front to make these movies before you even get anybody into a sound booth. Yeah, I suppose well, I the whole thing's been shaken up as well by Pixar entering the fray because uh, Disney had it all their own way in the past, and they didn't really. You know, uh, they were the only one producing it. I mean, I remember again. I'm going to mention the word Oscars, Ian. Um, maybe 10 years ago, they didn't always have an animated section. I mean, correct me, please, if I'm wrong, mm. but I remember in the awards categories, they didn't always have an animated section because no. there were only two or three films that were animated that came out in one year. There weren't enough to form a category. Uh, that now doesn't seem to be... It seems to be every year there's at least uh, you know four or so that, that means that that category can go ahead. And of course as I mentioned, with Toy Story 3 and maybe a year or two before that, they're now allowing, um, uh, not allowing, but animated features are becoming into the best picture category in their own right, not just in the best animated film. So um, the, the whole... Well, you got that slightly reversed. It happened first, um? that, it happened first that they came into... Um, uh, the main character. Picture. Yeah, with the, I mean, the first one of that is Beauty and the Beast, right? That that became, that was the first film to ever be nominated um, in Best Picture as an animated film. And right. Then after that, what they started to see was yes, there was a propagation of other animated films, but I think what really was going on there was that in the in the creation of this animated film category was that they were saying, oh, we don't want our our mainline films to be polluted. Um, <laughs> Polluted, kind of. And then, you know, last year they sort of turned that all around and said, well, well now we're going to say it's ten films a year instead of five. So if you make it ten, then suddenly you're going to probably get an animated film back in there. And get the so diversity, they, They've kind yeah. of turned around in the last decade or two and done some things that seem to be contrary to other things. Right. And I suppose as well, they can get away with the fact that uh, the, the, the animated film then gets a nod without them actually having to give them anything. Well, yeah. Because it's nominated. <laughs> well, I suppose, but you can't, you know, ostensibly the thing is not rigged. Ostensibly it is a fair, you know, adjudicated juried award. So, I mean, it's not like uh, when you nominate something, you're not saying, oh, well, we're just going to nominate this, but we don't really mean for you to consider it. I mean, you're putting it up for genuine nomination, and it could win as much as anything else. It's you know, so I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put the slant on it that they just nominated it so that they don't have to vote for it. No, because I mean, the people nominating are different from the people who actually finally vote. So, right. all good points, all good points. Well, uh, thanks for that uh, invigorating. Perhaps might be our final section in. Um, although you've not said a lot today yourself. I actually, one, one one question I have for you, Darth. I don't know if you caught it before. Was uh, a thing that I brought up about uh, uh, a lot of the uh, voice casting they've been doing with the the Batman uh, and Superman.
recently a lot of uh, proper actors being cast in, in some of the voice roles. What's your view on that? You mean within the like direct-to-DVD stuff that uh, Warner Brothers yeah. has been putting out? Oh, I think yeah. it's good. I mean, because they got to do something. Um, they can't just have... Uh, you know, because the, the only form in which it's coming out is on DVD. So you got to do something that is going to make somebody look at a DVD and say, oh, it's got this person in it? Okay, well, maybe I'll give that a try. Because you don't have, like you did 10 years ago, the backing of... Um, you know, a, a TV series that was currently ongoing. Uh, it was a lot easier back in the days of, say, The Mask of Phantasm or whatever, where, you know, you had Conroy, and then you had the other actors from the series. You know, you had Mark Hamill or whatever. And that was fine back then because it was an ongoing series. So it, you were just getting a movie from that series. But now that's not really true. You don't have any, I mean, except for Brave and the Bold, I guess, you don't really have any ongoing DC stuff. So you've got to do something that is going to put some actors into it uh, that people will go to, you know, normally. I, I I don't know that it's always been successful. I've questioned a few of the people that they put in there. Um, I think, you know, they did some stunt casting with, um, oh, hell, who's the girl from Smallville? It's just gone from my mind. Um, Dave? <laughs> a female yeah, from Smallville. Londa Lang? Chloe. Uh, Chloe. Uh, oh, uh, oh! Uh, can't believe it. Okay. It's only because yeah, she's not been on the cr- credits. And I've talked about her recently because she's been allowed to direct one of the episodes. Uh, yeah, but she's not on the credits anymore, so I don't see her name every week. Um, anyway, her. I will they, find they, ca- they cast her in a um, um, uh, well, Chloe what, Sullivan. Power Girl. Right. Yeah, well, that's her, that's the name of the character. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just lost me. But anyway, they cast her as Power Girl, right, in um, one of the recent, I think maybe the most recent Superman-Batman thing. And I don't know. I mean, I know why they did that, because they're trying to get some of the Smallville people to, to look at it and say, oh, yeah, okay, great. I, I don't know that she was necessarily the best choice. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I think that, you know, when you've got somebody like Andrea Romano, who's the, you know, casting director, the, the voice director for all of these things, and has been forever. I mean, since the yeah, very it's first like it's thing. Of, you get, that's Sorry. one thing I've noticed. Alice though, Mack. You get to Alice know, Mack. Alice Mack, yeah. I knew, he, I knew he wouldn't stop until he, <laughs> he had it. Um, right. But I've noticed, her, like, you know, you get to know the credit sequences of these shows. It's kind of like uh, right. Doctor Who. You get to know the names. But, yeah, yeah. She's been there. She's there the whole forever. time. And and she she does manage to, you know, get good performances in the main, but I just, you know, I think it's good. I understand why they're doing it. I think it, it helps, um, you know, these things need to sell and they obviously are because they're continuing to make them. Um, but they're hitting a niche market, right? And, you know, they're going to get some people who are going to buy them like me, who are just going to buy them because they've got the letters D and C on the cover. (laughs) Um, and then you, but that's not going to be quite enough people to really keep the things going. You've got to go a little bit beyond that to capture the eyes of people who are going into Best Buy and are passing by the little special, you know, um, sales point. Yeah, if you, 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 to back up Darth on this one, I mean, if you look at the uh, the last release, which was Under the Red Hood, um, you've got sort of three sort of names that I, I sort of know. Um, You've got uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who's coming in as Dick Grayson, Nightwing, not Dick Grayson, Robin, 
because he was the original right. Robin. So you got Neil Patrick Harris playing Dick Grayson, which was he was fantastic in it. Uh, it was but actually then you, really good, and I didn't really and you, go, oh, it's Doogie Howser. You know. But then you got Kevin Conroy has been replaced by Bruce Greenwood as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And Bruce Greenwood was in 2009 was uh, Captain Pike in the Star Trek movie, and uh, the only other sort of name that I sort of semi recognise is Gary Cole, uh, who's done a few uh, a few bits and bobs of uh, network television here and there. Um, the, fa the face will seem very familiar. Is uh, one of those guys like in English TV, you know, the face is familiar, but you sort of can't place where. And uh, this is sort of the, the start, I suppose, really. Yeah, I mean they've just gotten a little bit more budget, and they're trying to get some people into it that wouldn't have normally been on. I don't know, you know, the replacement of Bruce Conroy. That's that's controversial, obviously, because um, he he's so identified with the part. Uh, I thought Greenwood was fine, though, you know. But I can see where if you were really really hardcore into the Denny, the Dennyverse, and you were. Um, hoping that it would have some sort of continuity because Bruce Tim was there and you didn't get, you know, Conroy, you might be disappointed with that. On the other hand, that's really not who, who these new TV things are, or these new direct-to-DVD things are for. They aren't actually supposed to be within continuity of the Tim slash Dennyverse. They, they're supposed to be, um, you know, adaptations of graphic novels. And therefore, those graphic novels don't necessarily follow in the footsteps of the Batman series or the, or the Superman series. So a, a, a casting point that they might be trying to make is not just let's get in people who have never done this before because we've got a little bit of extra money. It's also to say, you know, we want to get in different voices because we don't want you to associate with the stuff that we've done before because this story does not take place within that continuity whatsoever. And I can understand that point too. So I don't know. I think I think it's generally good to try these things around. I will agree that there are some choices that they've made where I've been less than impressed. Um, but I mean that happens in any kind of film. You know, if you get somebody new into an established franchise, you're not necessarily going to like them, or maybe you'll like them more. You just don't know. One thing I noticed in the credits for for Kevin Conroy is that this uh, I guess coming out as Batman Year One, hmm. and um, Kevin Conroy's voice is rumored to be uh, that of Batman and Bruce Wayne. See, that would make some sense because they what I I mean I don't I mean obviously Year One is a graphic novel that existed you know, before there was, I think before there was the Batman animated series. If not, it's roughly contemporaneous. Um, and it, as I recall year one, and it's been a while since I've read year one, but as I recall year one, it, there's nothing in that that necessarily contravene, uh, contravenes the Timverse. And especially the, the early pre Robin seasons of the uh, Batman animated series. So why not use Kevin Conroy? I mean, because it could slip neatly into that continuity anyway. But I can I can really understand the point when you're talking about, oh, um, oh, what was that? Uh, the 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 new Batman Superman stuff that's been coming out, like Batman Superman Supergirl, uh, hmm. Batman Super Superman. What is it? Lex Luthor. Public Public Enemies. Public Enemy, which is the Lex Luthor yeah. presidential story. Yeah. Um, 
I cannot totally understand why you wouldn't want to use Kevin Conroy there because that's it's not the same dude. It's really not. But again, I mean, the great thing here's yet another source of new animation that really hasn't been around. I mean, this is something that started uh, 2007-ish, 2006-ish, I think. This this round of um, having basically one new graphic novel adapted every year. Um, some might say it's a poor exchange for having a regular, um, or, or as it was, it used to be like there was one year where there were three regular Timverse things going on where you had, I think, Justice League and the end of Batman or Batman Beyond or something, you know, the real dog end of the Batman thing and sort of the end of the Superman series where you had three things going on at once. And it was like, whoa, there's a lot of animation going on. Um, and, and you might say now that, what's that? 2009-2010, because you had the Doomsday was produced, and then, uh, yeah, the, had the, the, the crossover which came out somewhere in the middle of last year as well. So it was literally a year, but it was 2009-2010. stroke No, it's been going on longer than that, uh, it, because it, it coincides with the end of Justice League United, which is quite some time. It's not just a year ago. That's That's definitely been since 2007. I think they've done at least seven, eight of these films, I think, already. Um, and, But anyway, people, it might be a... Some people might who are working in the, in the industry might say, oh, this is a poor exchange because we're going from having, you know, half an hour, I don't know how many that would be, 13 hours of television a year to just, you know, two to four hours of direct-to-DVD for a year. Um, but then again, there's just so much more stuff. There's also, you know, this explosion again in video games. There's an explosion. There's other animated stuff that's coming. There's a lot of really good animated stuff that's coming out on, you know, Cartoon Network that continues to take over. Um, so it's just, you know, there's just so much stuff. And I, I, I just, I really reject the notion that if you, Give a few A-list actors a a couple of films to star in over the course of their career. That that somehow is disadvantaging other people because well, I can see I see the argument. The, the cake is getting bigger, so they yeah. might be taking a thing. But the, the the whole profile of animated things is is really high at the moment. It really is. I mean, it's, it's higher than it's ever been because you can just. You can do things in animation now that you were never able to do before, and that, frankly, you still can't quite do with live action. I mean, as much as everything is advanced, as much as, you know, Green Lantern, when it comes out, will be, you know, 99% CGI to some extent, um, there's still nothing quite as freeing as making a Shrek movie or making a Toy Story movie because you can create every single facet of it. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, and in actual fact, if you start talking about things like uh, films that are not animated but CGI, like uh, Avatar, you could almost argue that's voiceover acting in, oh, in large parts of it. Oh yeah, yeah. What was? I mean, there's there's lots of weird. Uh, what, there was somebody talking about Fern Gully. Oops, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, for Fern Gully in space. Do you mind? Oh, don't swear. <laughs> oh. But there's 
But the Sigourney Weaver part, I mean, she's as as much on screen as the the Avatar character as she is. And it also means that somebody of her age, and I talk of somebody of similar age to her, uh, she can still go on being in these action-packed things because she can do the walkie-talkie, sit-down bit as herself, and she can leap through the trees and swing um, as her Avatar. Well, this is the thing. I mean, this is why... You know, it's it's so freeing, I suppose, to to listen to British audio drama. You know, that we don't have audio drama really. I mean, there there are a few things that still exist, but I mean, obviously, people are able to continue their careers long after they should have stopped. I mean, no offense, but Colin Baker is prime example. I mean, there oh, is no way, there's no way in hell that that guy should still be playing the doctor in any way, shape, or form. He just, no, he's past it. I mean, if you look at it visually, if you consider what he would do on screen, no, he's gone. But the fact that there is an audio outlet for him allows his natural talents to still be useful. And that's why I think that all of this is really good. You know, Ed Asner, you know, who is quite old at this point, um, (laughs) He, you know, um, what the hell? Um, Star Wars, the... Oh, I, can't believe, I can't believe I've forgotten this franchise. Help me out, Mike. Um, the the franchise, the, the old Republic. He was in the old Republic franchise um, where he was playing a character like Yoda. It, well, it wasn't Yoda, but it was of Yoda's species. Um, and so he's there consistently throughout the game helping you out and you hear the voice of Ed Asner as a Yoda which is hilarious it's great um and then in the second of that franchise there's the I forget what the name of the actor is but the there's just this badass Jedi woman um who might be dark side who might not be dark side depending on how you play the game and man she has got the voice from hell never heard anybody with a voice that good but I'm sure that she's not somebody who could actually play the role as it was, you know, described in the movie. In the same way, you know, Christopher Lee. I mean, Christopher Lee in in Star Wars and in Lord of the Rings. Um, Before you go to Christopher Lee, I just want to say Ed Asner as Granny Goodness. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> How perfect Absolutely. is that? That is totally perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, they're, but they're, you know, Christopher Lee is like, like that too. You know, you've got somebody who is able to jump around and do, I mean, not able in real life to, to jump around and, and, you know, do a lightsaber battle with Yoda, but yet convincingly that can be pulled off on CGI and you can just have him there really for the voice, uh, which largely is what he was there for. Uh, Cause about at least 50% of the frames that quote unquote, he was in, he was not in, it was, it was some stand in CGI. Well, well so, the the other one for that would be, say, uh, well, Angelina Jolie's still fit, but, I mean, like the Beer Wolf one, where you have um, Ray Winston looking uh, very buff in that, where we all know he's a slightly more returned character nowadays. But in the film Beer Wolf, um, they voice the characters and looking very, uh, you know, trim. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of opportunities that really haven't, wouldn't have existed. I mean, if you think about it, 
I mean, think back to the last generation of major actors, and you think about, you know, Henry Fonda, and you think about, uh, well, let's just take Henry Fonda, because he's a good one. Um, you know, in his later years, the only thing he could do was play older parts. And so he mm. plays on Golden Pond, well, which is, yeah. you know, a fabulous role. But, his daughter, yeah. Right. You know, and it, it's moving, it's Oscar winning, it deserves everything. But, I mean, think about what he could have given us in if he lived in this particular age, if he lived another 20 years. Um, his voice could be immortalized in a lot of different ways. And so you, you could do all sorts. One of the things that's exciting, I think, about animation, about uh, voice actors, is that um, it's a way back into an actor's career for a kid. Like a kid, like I think you all were talking before about how some kid had um, been upset because Tom Hanks comes by and signs his Buzz Lightyear doll yeah, yeah. doesn't understand what no, the, the Woody and, doll, yeah. Right, but, yeah, Woody, quite. Um, but, um, you know, in 10 years' time, that kid is going to understand who the hell signed his doll and is therefore going to, you know, disassociate the actor from the role and explore who the actor really was. And it's going to go back through you know, the actor's good work is going to, you know, watch Castaway, is going to watch Saving Private Ryan, um, and eventually come to love that character because of the, the introduction as a, as a kid to this cartoon character. And I think, you know, that was one of the things that we learned from Christopher Eccleston. We learned that that was why he took on the part of the doctor was because he wanted to affect kids at an early age. And I think that those kids that knew him as a doctor will eventually grow up to go back and, you know, look to his earlier work and, you know, look at second comings, look at our friends from the North, whatever, um, in a way that they wouldn't, if they hadn't been introduced to that actor at an early age in a, in a sort of, you know, heightened reality part. And right. I think that's going to happen with all of these big name actors is that they're going to find that as the, the, the target audience for these films grows up that they're going to maybe, if they're still alive, they're going to make some money off the fact that these kids are now going to grow up and, and buy DVDs of that artist's early work because they have, you know, a really great memory of Jack Black in Kung Fu Panda or whatever. And that's mm. great. Well, yeah, I mean, Henry Fonda then, uh, people like, uh, I don't know, Anthony Hopkins, John Malkovich, mm. people with really distinctive voices, uh, yeah. that will be able to prolong their careers. Yeah, but I think we may well have prolonged our episode perhaps to its limit now, Ian. <clears throat> I mean, as much as I enjoy it, but uh, I do sometimes hear wailings from the from the sidelines when we hit the three-hour <laughs> mark. Exactly. All righty then. Well, I think we think we'll, we'll bring this to a close. Um yeah, again, another great uh, great topic. Thank you, Dave, for, for bringing this one up. Because I believe this is one of yours. Well, yeah. I think so. Well, actually, it was Thanks. it was it came up through an episode. It was a cider remark about two or three weeks ago. As guest 18 comes into the room, we're just summing up. But yes, uh, turned out a good topic, I think. Yes. All right. Um, all that remains, really, is to thank everybody here. Thank you to Mr. Randall Thor. To Mr. Graham Sheridan. Kevin Cudley. 
to Mr. Darth Skeptical. And of course, all of those who have uh, who were who joined us at the beginning but had to duck out for one reason or another. And uh, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye, all. Goodbye. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.